You seem to know the answers to your questions. Why do you ask? I'm sorry you're unwilling to defend your beliefs in any kind of rational way. Oh, if, if, you, if, you, if, if you already know the answers to your questions, then why ask pig fuck? We are not helpless. And we are on a journey that risks the dark. If you don't mind, a good night to you. <gasps> What's a what's a good we're actually, we're yeah, not go. talking to anybody we're not talking to anybody <laughs> what? that's not true we're not talking right to each, now we're talking to each other i know but then we oh, say what's right up now. everybody what's up yeah, yeah we're talking to it's the, the future, audience dude yeah it's the future audience that will hear this you know hours later anyway um this is the <laughs> this is a, one of our favorite type of episode which is an episode where we don't have to read any fucking books for yeah. it. Uh, God, do or, I hate that shit, dude. Or do any, like, um, preparations. Don't have to take any notes, really. Which sucks, because I thought we were re- reading Moby Dick, so I read the entire thing today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul was, like, very on point, way ahead of schedule, very good, and we're, like... For the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul read, like, I was a... like, Moby Dick, I gotta read it all day. <laughs> you squeezed in a Melville biography or two. you visited his like hometown yeah well those will come in handy in a couple weeks yeah spoilers spoilers time anyway not wasted what this is today everybody this is the spine crackers podcast one year anniversary blowout party extravaganza i got one now i I got one thing to say about that (laughs) Oh, <laughs> that was the ASMR beer opening. That was a very nice crack. Yeah, it, it didn't start out strong. It was kind of like tiny, and then the crack it was too far away. Came. It was really far away yeah. when I started. I meant to get it closer. I don't know well, my own strength. We'll have better chances when you crack open the next Coors. Well, we, or, yeah, yeah. I want to say that shout outs to tonight's sponsor, Coors, the banquet beer. Just kidding. Not actually the sponsor of the show. Um, but Maybe I, PBR. I am drinking Coors in protest of another company who shall go unnamed. Whoops, who sorry. Refuses to sponsor <laughs> the show despite us being a perfect match. Matt already That's... said it. Cough, cough, PBR, cough, cough. Yeah. Didn't they despite... write back to you and they were like, no, thank you or something? No. They're, that didn't I happen. That. They you didn't even deign to speak. They've liked yeah. a few of my comments, but. Hmm. Are you angling for the lifetime supply or, or? Not, not even a lifetime supply? I would take. I they literally they, people people don't understand this. You can you are allowed to sponsor this podcast 
for basically nothing. Like I would, I would, I would announce. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We're we're cheap. Like, we're we're cheap very yeah, we are. We're very yeah. cheap dates. I would I would basically include PBR in a list of podcast sponsors in perpetuity. For like a coupon for like three twelve bags, yeah, or just one tall boy per purse per host <laughs> per host per host. May per I host. say yeah, yeah. yes? Yeah. No, not 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 a tall boy. Twelve like twelve packs, twelve packs of tall boys, ideally. Mm. Yeah. See, now you're not selling yourself short. But you're I'm telling tall. you, I'm, t- I'm t- telling. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Oh. All cylinders today, boys. All cylinders today for me. For so, sure. Matt, any any sponsors out there? Listen, we've shown we have staying power. We've been at this for a year. Produced hundreds of hours of content at this point. Yeah, yep. the people love it. We're dedicated to the craft. Arguably, we're dedicated. <laughs> we're dedicated to the craft. If you exclude things like thoughtful editing or putting mm. effort into our YouTube videos or audio quality uh, at all sort of component. Yeah. Not, not being drunk, not burping, um, not having dogs barf, dog yeah. barf, ASMR or us barfing. Some potentially, yeah, right. I don't think any of us has thing, actually barfed like, on the show, but no. no so if you put aside all of that stuff, consummate professionals worth your investment. Mm-hmm. Also, on the flip side, there are, there's an audience for all the stuff that would be considered a detriment, you know? So you can't, you can't deny. <laughs> Does Pepto-Bismol want to sponsor us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would, like, a book that, nerd That would people, be great. Yeah, what would they like to be sponsored by? Uh, like uh, Bic? Pens? Bic pens, keeps. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, whatever. Keeps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I'm trying to think what would be just what else. Yeah, those would all be good. Reach, hit us up. We're we are very bad negotiators, and we start off cheap. So come on in, sponsors. Yeah, that's right. How about like a bookmark company? Just give us a, a lifetime like supply, what? which could be one bookmark actually. That's too. That's easier than PBR. I want one steel bookmark. Yeah, we could do like the Ridge Wallet of uh, of bookmarks. Like we could even like burnt titanium or like Damascus. (laughs) Jewel Jewel can sponsor this show. Oh, Uh, true that. that. Actually, that would that would actually be. That's le- very legit. It's I le- think. Well, it's if we had our recording, if we had our videos <laughs> on YouTube, like all of them, then Ju- yeah, Jewel would be like, "Fuck yeah, these guys." Yeah, if you could Jewel. visually see what goes on when we're recording, you, which is nothing because of how fat the clouds being blown are on the screens. Exactly, it's a constant haze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's bigger. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a it's Halloween haunted house in yeah. our fucking rooms. <laughs> <laughs> we should no. What we should do is we should get Jewel to send us like like four foot tall jewels that constantly just send out jewel smoke. <laughs> now this this is a fucking jewel. Now now we're fucking talking, dude. Yeah, just a fucking a right, jewel like, smog right machine. <laughs> The train whistle blowing jewel smoke out of it as it delivers jewel. <laughs> oh my god! 
And if you don't do it, don't jewel to set the altar. You know what I mean? Like follow through. <laughs> don't make us your jeweled lovers. <laughs> yeah. Because we'll go crazy. <laughs> That's right. We'll freak out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul's like the guild navigator in that in Dune by David Lynch. Just this alien that like emerges out of a haze. <laughs> it's just <laughs> high. <laughs> just high on spice. <laughs> oh god. Speaking I'm gonna start s- pretending that my jewel smoke is the spice from Dune. Yeah. Do you guys have any um, since we don't really have anything specific to talk about, did you do you guys have any Dune takes? <laughs> Dune. Oh, wait, I, I forgot like Dune. this is rudderless. Yeah, uh, no, it's not rudderless. We have we have some we have we're gonna take we're gonna take some uh, listener Q Q and A. Yeah, yes. do we even in, announce what we're saying yet? Well, we're gonna yeah, in case that, people were wondering the content. Like, yes, yes, it will predominantly be a uh, Q and A from yes. We we solicited questions on v- the various social media platforms, uh, and we got a bunch. Very thoughtful, very interesting questions from our lovely, intelligent listeners. And um, mm-hmm. we're going to go through, I think we have like 25 or something that we're going to go through. and That'll uh, do us. That'll be that. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. Would you... one, we'll take one hour per question. Yeah, it's going to be like, a, so. we're going to be here until fucking 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 the, if the Capote episode <laughs> of eight short stories is any in- indication. How long God. was that? It, yeah. I, 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 Matt, you're the one putting it together. I forgot. I don't know how long it is. I'll have it. I'll have it stitched together tomorrow. It's fine. It wasn't no, 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 a four no rush, hour. No, it wasn't no, four hours. But I think it, I think it was over three. Damn. Okay. Well, that's not awful. I know, but that's long. We should probably. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like we should have just picked like two or like four or five of that. that but speaking of three hours, that's something that you can fit the first Dune book into easily, and I and I refuse to believe otherwise. Oh, okay. So you think the movie should is have the been movie over three one... hours? It's two and a yeah, half. and it's half. Oh. It's two and a half, I've... and it's half a book. Oh, so you think the whole book could have been? I get it. I see. What you're I saying. think you yeah, can yeah, make yeah. a three-hour movie that is like you know, you're you're not. I, I, I don't. I... Why? I, I'm not. I was just going <laughs> to burp and say that. No, I just I don't know. I I didn't think it was like a fucking amazing perfect movie, but I don't know. I like all the content that. He wanted to uh, uh, give a half of a book, and he was—he's a he, uh, Villanueva. 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 <laughs> Dennis Villanueva. Yeah. Villanueva. Villanueva. <laughs> he's a huge Dune fan, and I just—I kind of appreciated just this, like you know, multi-millionaire guy who's just like, I love Dune. I'm gonna make two long-ass Dune movies. Yeah, I love it. Like, I don't know. I could not contain my love for Dune in uh, one movie, and there must be two. It must be Dune. It must be Dune. It must be Dune. I need Dune Dunes, please. After this, you will call me Villain Dune Villain a Dune. Yeah, definitely. Dune. That that actually gets to Paul. That actually just gets to one of the questions we're gonna have to ask later about you. Mm. Oh yeah, want to go for it right now? No, no, no. We don't have to do it right now. I, I mean, well, I think before we do the question, before we get to the questions. Do you do y'all have any reflections, thoughts on on one year of the Spinecrackers podcast? Did did we think we would make it this far? I like all I'm seeing in my mind's eye is like the Friends reunion on HBO, (laughs) (laughs) just weather beaten, like like, fucked up people like crying about a show from the nineties. Except we're still active, baby. We're still around. We're still kicking. We still still have. 
We don't have dentures yet. This is the this is the first of, <laughs> yeah. this is the first of many anniversary episodes. Matthew Perry was just like <laughs> I, I, I just missed you guys so much. <laughs> yeah, he just couldn't talk. I felt so bad for him. I felt really bad for him. Yeah. He was lost. He was lost. He was. He's a lost soul. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. Come on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah. That would be awesome. I don't know what kind of books Matthew Perry reads. Oh, okay. So reflections on the last year. Did we think we could get here? I mean, I have struggled for sure. (laughs) It's been a fucking struggle to read a book a week, week after week, even though even though we've had a break. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm proud of myself though. We probably what how many books have we read then? I mean last year? Like probably not not exactly fifty two or no. Well not even close. No, what episode are we on? Like forty? Because we took, we did take that like two month break, basically. Yeah. Um, we had summer vacation, basically. They're not numbered even on the list that I have, so I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, let me just check how many episodes. I can do that. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been, uh, it's I don't know. It's it's felt like a prolonged hell week, in in some ways. Like some of the For books this? have been very. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, been yeah. some of the books have been like a fucking real struggle to get through in a week for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Your but it's conf. also I mean that's the most negative aspect that I've felt. Obviously I've loved doing a podcast with my fucking bros too. And that's really what it's fun. about. That's really that's what it's all about. I'm going to cry. Yeah. I might I might cry this episode. It's really about it's really about just you know I can't, talking about I something with your figure friends. out how many episodes we yeah. have because we don't number them. So. Oh, it's four, four, 44, 44. 44, okay. Yeah. There it is. Thanks, Apple Podcasts. Not including the ones we did before that don't count, but yes. still, I'm going to count them right now. I mean, those don't count because they're not. They weren't episodes. It was just us talking. It was talking. just a regular ass book club, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely been, uh, you know, a... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's a it's a huge joy. I honest, I dead ass, since sincere posting. Look forward to talking to you guys every week, uh, in about books and in this context. It makes me very happy. Yeah, I should have led with that because I I agree. I feel <laughs> <way>. <laughs> like it's hell, and uh, it's been it's, a really it's huge hell week, struggle. Like the me. fucking yeah. Navy SEALs for me. Yeah, yeah, it's and like homework meets the military. <laughs> I'm in the Atlantic Ocean at six a.m. in the morning holding a log over. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and the, and that cold ocean water is Joseph McElroy's prose. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can't lift thirty pages, can you, maggot? <laughs> That would be a fucking sick hell week. Like, make the Navy SEALs just read Joseph McElroy's entire fucking books in a week. No, if it's Cannonball, even potentially reconsider their choice. You can't read a sentence with 20 different clauses that covers eight different tenses. (laughs) Can you? the same sentence, can you? Can you? (laughs) Now drop and read me 20. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah. Just read it's there's definitely hard parts, but I mean, even like the that's the other thing is that I mean, even when like I don't know, we can always, you know, we've we've pushed books around or switched them, and we're we're flexible that way, and so I think that helps in terms of having no one to be accountable to. Well, I'm a, I also <laughs> yeah. think that I, I think like uh, I, I mentioned this bef- I think before in the other sort of rambly just vibe check episode that we did, uh, where it's like. Reading, I, I've already, I already do read, like, for pleasure, 
like consistently. Right. Um, and so I've always considered myself like a reader and fucking hashtag bookish and <laughs> all the horrible, <laughs> all the horrible designations you can give yourself. But like, this is definitely up to the pace, but also like, um, it's, it's hugely different to like talk to anybody about it. Cause it's yes. so often considered yes. just this, just this like kind of like solitary shit. And like mm-hmm. the, and I agree like with Gabe, I'm just like, it's so nice to have the outlet of voicing literally anything to, and like a third party, like yes. you know what I mean. Like instead of just sitting with it only, and then just reading something else, and just kind of like being completely internal. Well, and I think it like um, I think it just enhances for me. It enhances both understanding and appreciation, like so so much to to yeah. to have those conversations and bounce ideas off of off of each other, and like you know, you guys all. I mean, every week I think we bring different shit to the table in terms of like background knowledge of the author or like Paul will watch some interviews with the author that I don't watch or, you know, Matt will read uh, an article about them that I haven't read or an, I'll, I'll read an academic paper or, or like whatever it is each week, you know? And so we all like bring that, that, and it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's cliche, I guess, but it's just kind of that like extended mind thing where it, it, it all, yeah. we all are doing more work than any one of us could do individually. And that cunt that be- becomes distilled through the conversation. I think that's like, but that's literally true. And like one of the more important aspects of like ongoing learning that like people 100%. need to, <laughs> like people yeah. should emphasize more and it's tough. Well, it adds to the longevity of the memory of the book too, for me too. Like if I plow through a book or when I used to like read a book and just maybe not enjoy it that much, I would kind of let the ideas go one one ear and out the other, and not explore them if I didn't like them or whatever. But when you're talking about, even if you don't like the book and you have to talk about it, you end up just like getting something out of it, and you you remember those conversations. Yeah, Absolutely. like I could. I'm sure if we not went down the list. I'd be able to remember quite a bit about our conversations about each and every one of them, which is sick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, and even just like the, because of the way we do our choices, which is, if you don't know, is basically just everyone picks a book and we rotate through the three of us and we don't plan it or anything. We don't like structure it really. And that, I think, creates just, like, a huge breadth of just different shit that I think a lot of us individually would have just ne- probably never read on our own. Never found, never heard of, Definitely. or never, or just never picked up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have it's touched all, I mean, this shit, usually. Like, I haven't been, like, like how Matt has always been. He's just, like, Matt, how many books do you think you've read prior to this last year? Just in like, your life. No, 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 I mean, not, I'm not total. I mean, like, per year, would you say? Uh, I would probably cut the whatever number we have to, uh, I don't know, maybe like 15 a year or something like that. 20, something like that. Okay. So Depending. It's, it's like over double that. So you, we, I mean, we've we literally do. doubled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I was more like four, you know, before yeah. this. It, well, all I'm, these work jobs that like have killed me and yeah, reading has always been not a priority. But even though I've enjoyed it. So, like, this podcast has been like, well, you fucking have to, and you're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to like it. If you know it's good for you. Like yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, for, for me, it's like if before we started doing this, you know, and I've talked about this, I'm not, I want to talk a little bit on the other uh, vibe check episode. But for me, in my recent life, before we started doing this, the number of fiction books that I read in a year was basically zero for like the yeah. last five years before this, because, you know, I was in academia and most of my reading was devoted to, um, you know, nonfiction shit for my studies and whatever. Excuse me. And I still read read nonfiction, but um, this has like reinvigorated my love for fiction in, in a really powerful way that I'm deeply appreciative of. Yeah, I feel like you, it's just like you and Paul have very different reasons for not having read a ton. Like, Paul, I just feel yeah. like you, I don't know, it's just like wasn't like on your like priority list and like you're doing more like labor, like physical labor intensive stuff or whatever and you're just kind of like trying to make ends meet and blah 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 and so it's just like not a thing and then Gabe you're just you're not reading fiction for the reason of reading just way too much other stuff so it's just like a glut of reading and so reading's the last thing you want to fucking do and like if you're yeah. going to do it it's like gonna have to be academic in nature you, 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 it, I mean I don't want to say it's all utility reading but because I do enjoy reading academic writing and doing that's why I do the job I do I love it but it it, it, it like I said it it, it it did tend to be I never I didn't view reading fiction as a like break or release and mm. from, from just the more reading that I have to do for my work Right, yeah. And so I never did really much of it. Yeah. I just think both cases, like, probably resonate with a large number of people. Cause I feel like that captures, mm -hmm. like, two very relatable experiences around the reason for Yeah, <clears throat> when books. I talk to people about, you know, when I mentioned that we do the podcast and I read a book a week or whatever, just to, like, you know, friends or to people I just meet, they're always just like, Oh, I like love reading or I miss reading, but like I whatever my job is, I haven't had time to do it in years or whatever. And I'm yes. like now I just I realize that that's not true. It's just like you you take there's priorities that you take. So if you do want to read a book, you fucking can. It's just like some most people like how I did in the past, I just like wanted to watch Grey's Anatomy instead for four hours a night mm -hmm. after working yeah. a long ass day. Yes, you know? absolutely. But reading's yeah. important. You got to put down that Netflix remote, <coughs> pick up a book, and I mean, being able to find the enjoyment in it true. again. Yeah, no, it's yeah. that's fucking true. Put <laughs> yeah. down, literally, like you know what's happening in the office. You know what's going to happen. You already you've watched know. the whole. You've watched it right. all. It's, it's eighteen times. And, and and listen, don't don't get me wrong. I have my I have my comfort shows that I put on when I'm hungover and eating Chinese food, and I just want something on. But. Mm. All emotional resonance. I'm telling, listening, I'm talking to you specifically, listener. The office has no emotional resonance for you anymore. You know what's happening. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a security blanket in a bad way. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, drop it. There's too many seasons. Yeah. It didn't even end well. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, should we get into some questions? Let's do yeah. it. Or did you want, did you have anything else that you or is that it that was it nothing specifically I mean I just kind of okay. wanted to it say for me I just want to say how much I love doing this and how much fun it is and what a what a positive force it has been in my life sincerely 
Definitely. Yeah. And for anyone yeah. listening and like, you know, if we can grow this and like people want to interact with us and stuff, that that I can almost guarantee will make it even more of yes. a positive thing. I already I, this is going to sound like a plug, but not it's not, but I love just like talking to the 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 people that are in our Discord channel already, the patrons all like meeting all of the guests we've had on the show has been fucking fantastic, and we're gonna have yeah. more in the future. Oh yeah, um, it's it's been great. It's just been really great. So subscribe to the oh, Patreon I did if say... you want. Patreon, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, do all that stuff. If you subscribe to the Patreon for only two bones a month, you get full Discord access. Five bones a month and up. Bonus reviews. I'm reading Infinite Jest, etc. <laughs> I didn't. I know we're transitioning, but I did. I forgot one thing I wanted to mention that I'm not sure I mentioned on the other on the first freeform episode or not. But I, uh, I mean, I, I had anxiety about starting the podcast because I just don't like talking in front of people, and that translates to talking on a microphone. Mm-hmm. And I think I've gotten slightly better. Maybe not perfectly. Definitely not. I mean, you just heard that sentence. But you know, Gabe <laughs> is like a teacher. Gabe. And teaches over Zoom and has been, you know, Gabe's very comfortable at talking. Gabe's a lecturer. Like, yeah, I, I feel lecturer. like that's definitely yeah. noticeable. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, but I've always, I've always, you know, when I was in college and shit, they've, you know, when I had a presentation, it would make me so fucking nervous for like two weeks. I would dread it. I would be like, can I, maybe I should drop this class, you know, that level of anxiety. Yeah, a lot of people have and just. That. Yeah, I, I've always had it. I remember just like stuttering and panicking as as a freshman in college for like my first one ever and just like sweating and I'm like everyone thinks I'm a fucking loser. Oh yeah, the and move where you're trying to not um if you have to hold a piece of paper, keep your hands steady. Oh god, yeah. Yes. I'd always <laughs> like move. pray for a podium, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's uh that's one really positive thing for me actually is just like cuz you know, it's a valuable life skill just be able to like communicate your thoughts towards yep. any audience even a, like a small one to a a big one you know it's just like important yeah so that's a that's a really good I, point i definitely value that aspect of it too just like trying to get better at it over time yeah you can't just um you know this is definitely a case of like you can't just be like ah, i was i liked it or i didn't you know <laughs> right oh, you do have not. to formulate your thoughts in some to some degree and and uh yeah i also think that like it's helped me think in like complete sentences more <laughs> and like yeah. actually try and like yeah I'm you know I'm whatever I'm not very good but you know uh I have to formulate arguments about why I think what I think uh yeah it's a dementia uh susp- it's a suppressor a little bit cuz uh, oh yeah one of my greatest wh- fears yes yeah. definitely it's yeah, like what's your greatest hey guys what's your greatest fears <laughs> That's a good question. We should do. We should save that for when we're drunk during, on the the end of the year episode. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, Spiders. we can't. I don't want. We can't. If you want, <laughs> if you want to talk about our greatest fears, arachnids. <clears throat> well, I guess one of mine was uh, degenerative brain disease. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like no, real that's fears. A, that's a real one. fears are like fake ones because mine is probably like being at the bottom of the ocean alone, alive. That's forever. A, I hate open water. Forever? I, I, I hate forever. I, I, I hate dark open oh, water. Oh, so you're like a fantasy fear almost. Well, I asked like if you meant like a real God. fear. Yeah, like that's my personal hell, I would say. It's just like freezing, not being able to breathe, and just underwater. But you don't die ever? No. Like like uh 
what Perseus or no Prometheus? Uh, he gets his, Prometheus chained to the rock. Yeah, he gets his liver eaten by a fucking crow every minute yes. of the day. Yes, sort of like the heavy-handed nature of the lighthouse ending. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you're you're admitting it now. The that that end in particular, very handed, heavy-handed. Yes. Yeah. But I yeah, do bad movie. Like that movie. Oh, okay. No, not bad movie. It's a bad movie. Bad ending. ending. <laughs> but it was a pretty good movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of encapsulates the thesis of the movie, and the whole movie is sort of like, you know, sort of a, a, a filled with that kind of bad ending. Paul, here's here's what I gotta say. I would about have to disagree here's... with your assessment of the movie, but I really liked it. And I, I think uh, aside from some sort of like very superficial aesthetics, it's really a piece of shit. Okay, that was nice. That was like a high school. That was like a high school debate. I started to do some Destiny. Oh my god, Destiny! Come on the show, buddy. Just fucking nerd fast talking. Actually, don't come on. I have no interest in hearing yeah, Destiny's don't. takes on any art at all. Destiny, why don't you fuck off? <laughs> Except, I guess music. I know he's a trained musician. I've never heard that. Yeah, no, it's true. He, I think he went to school for music. Anyway. Well, Destiny, please write a sonata instead of playing League of Legends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is now a drama channel. I'll this call is, out anybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we have no, no shame. What um, is it called? Gish, gal- gish galloping or whatever? I, I don't know. I don't know. T- All right, sorry. Here's I what I want to say about the lighthouse. That about Twitch. Here's oh, what I want to say about what? the lighthouse. What? Real quick. It's a great film. Fun. I didn't. I didn't like the movie, but I gotta <laughs> hand it to the director for making a great making film. a great film. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say this wasn't a good movie, but I have to hand it to the director for making a great film. <laughs> well, okay, I understand. Yeah. I understand if I wanted to think about that in a too complicated way, I could almost agree with that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's stupidly funny. Shout out Tim Heidecker. You can really come on the show at any time. Open door. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Heidecker, sort of under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> Very low, underground. Low-key low guy. Uh, yeah, low-key. Yeah. Right, I'm going to grab one more. more. Vic Burger on. Oh, that'd be Vic funny. might come on. You think? He's I Maybe, know. I don't know. Matt, you're going to go get a drink? Time, yeah. I'm gonna just get one more re-up so I don't have to move after this. Sounds good. And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get the you. cues get started. Some cues, baby. Um, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I'd love to. I here's a funny. Here's a behind-the-scenes story. I I I've just been my strategy. You know this about me, Paul. My strategy is to just message random, very famous celebrities and see if they want to mm-hmm. come on the show. Um, Sasha Gray. I, I mentioned. I messaged, I sent Sasha Gray an email, but it got bounced back to me. So anyone out there is trying to email Sasha Gray, the email on her Instagram doesn't work. And Sasha, if you're listening, uh, the email on your Instagram doesn't work. And I tried to email you and it got bounced back. So, and I did send you an Instagram DM. I'm not creeping. Sasha Gray is not the only person (laughs) that I've tried to get on the show. You kind of talked a lot about Uh, messaging Sasha Gray. Yeah. But, uh, no, 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 here's why. No, it, it, It makes sense, dude. She wrote books. She's written books. No, it's true. And I just thought it would be funny. I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to interview her or anything. Just literally, just a te- five minute. In- hey, introduction, whatever. And then who else have I messaged? I've messaged uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon because she has the Reese Witherspoon book club. <laughs> and yeah. uh, let's see. We who should else? Oprah. We should get Oprah. Just straight up Oprah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never. I have not messaged Oprah. Um, there's a few other people. Trump. David Duchovny, obviously, because we're going to review his book eventually. Yeah. Um, and he, def- he definitely is like at the point in his life where he, he wants to be regarded as an author. Exactly. And what better venue to solidify that reputation than this show? Yeah, none. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I messaged Halsey because she released a book of poetry. Halsey. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So I'm That's out a here. Very but famous person. My philosophy is, and I, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but my philosophy is like, look, dude, it only takes one, like slightly tipsy PR person to read that email and be like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. That's 100% yeah. true. I and mean, I've heard like, wild shit. You never, you just never know. So my philosophy is just fucking spray and pray, as it were, to right. take a first-person shooter term. Right. Shotgun noob tube. Yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah, just go, go, go. <laughs> I, and don't get me wrong, I'm very professional in all my, in all my uh, emails and messages, and I make the case based on their specifics, context, why it might be a good fit, and blah, 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 blah. I'm not just like, hey, you want to come on our show? I'm not an idiot. No, we we sell it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if if anyone out there has any good ideas for people that should come on the show or who might come on the show, uh, yeah, hit us up. Because yeah, I, I love having guests. Guests are really fun, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. And I love strange. I just love meeting random people. Yeah. And just getting into the weeds about a, a just a weird book, you know. This is the point. It's like, this shit is fun. Oh, Brie and Larson. Like, I messaged Brie Larson, too. Oh, yeah? Is she notably yeah, she likes, reading? She's, she, yeah, she's a reader. She posts stuff about books. I'll try and think of celebrities to message randomly. Let's message The weekend. That would be sick. I would totally or Bernie Mac would be good. Bernie Mac? It, wait, is he's, he alive? Uh, dead. He's, he's not dead. alive. Sorry, that was a, <laughs> another on similar reference. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm trying to think of who like is like trying to like because like who's like rebranding as like secret like actually smart. That's the thing, dude. At, well, we shouldn't say this on stream because then on the show because then they're gonna listen to it and then they're gonna be like, well, they they're only doing it because they think I'm dumb and just rebranding is smart, which is not true. No, that's not true. What I'm saying is rebranding is actually smart because of public perception, which I do not believe. Because they actually are smart and they want because people to Because they know. are and they want to shift. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of uh, you know, a lot of celebrities are trying like want to do that. Like we should like James Franco. We should get James Franco on the show. Isn't he canceled though? <laughs> is he canceled? Oh yeah, he's canceled. Yeah, he's canceled. Never yeah. mind. That's canceled. that was bad. We gotta pay attention to that shit. But someone like that, you know what I mean? Someone who like someone who like I someone feel like, someone canceled. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, I gotta. I'm digging myself a hole here. Yeah, maybe we I'm should invite you. Vigo Mortensen on and send him the book the the book list, and it's just The Hobbit, Silmarillion, <laughs> <laughs> and then The Road at the very end. The Which only other book adaptation he did. Yeah. Like you do book That's movie great. books, you do sort of like moving books. Yeah, right. I mean, Vigo. I mean, really, if you think about it, all actors are writers because movies are just moving books. That's right. That is. That's true. what I've always said. <laughs> A lot of people are saying it. They're moving picture books. Um. All right. Let's do. Let's take some questions here. All right, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm fucking pumped up. Um. First Fire of all, uh, shout-outs to everyone that asked, asked a question. Shout-outs to everyone that's ever listened to an episode of this show, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You guys Hell are yeah. fucking sick, and, and we love You're you. are special. Yeah. And you're cool to the end, too. Like, double sick. I assume yeah, yeah. most have not, but... Yeah, probably not. But if you've ever the... fucking listened, clicked an episode of this show to listen, you're epic. You're a god. Yeah. 
All right, here we go. Regarding so, God. Um, these are not organized in any way by topic or anything like that, so we may bounce around a little bit um, subject matter-wise, but they all have to do with books and, and writing and that kind of thing. So, um, first of all, I just want to be—I want to get this out of the way. We did have uh, a a particularly precocious listener, um, Thelonious Drunk Books on Instagram, who sent us like 15 different questions, which we deeply appreciate because they were all really thoughtful, all really thought-provoking and interesting. So, what I'm going to do is um, I don't want to say Thelonious Drunk Books over and over again every time I say his questions. So I'm just going to call him TDB when it's one of his questions. And this um, is basically Thelonious' show, and you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. This one this one goes out to you, Thelonious. We did a special show just for you. You're basically a co-host of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, so uh, this is a, a TDB question, um, and I think this is a good place to start. It might take us an hour and a half to answer, but here we go. What, for each of you, makes a good book? Pros, memorability, thought-provoking ideas, uniqueness, all of the above. Go off. Uh, oh no me then like I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first I'll go first uh, can you ask the question again uh, and ask can him can you phrase sentence. it as a question I, yeah I can phrase it as a question <laughs> it was uh, to be fair it was already phrased as a question very clearly that's a joke <laughs> it was a joke but um what for each of you makes a good book and then he gives some examples of considerations prose memorability thought provoking ideas uniqueness all of the above etc it's got to be all of the above, right? It does have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But like, you know, you can the more fun thing to do is kind of try to rank aspects of a good book. You know, like what's the thing for you that tends to that tends to stick out, I guess, or, or make something particularly where you're like, yeah, that was fucking good. I, I mean, for me, obviously, you can probably guess out of all the things, um, pro style is my number one. I mean, it, it can you know, it doesn't mean the book's gonna. I'm gonna love it, but I need. I need that. I need to really vibe with the style, and respect it, and whatever to really enjoy it. Like, I can't really usually get past that. But if if it has the right. other things, it makes it better and better. But I need to really, just really enjoy it and respect it and value it as good writing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like has to fit a category of like this means what good writing is you know it can be its own style it just has to be i don't know just has to be like connecting with me yeah but i don't think that there's like an objective truth well, to and, what good right. pro style is i don't right. i don't think that it just has to be well so do you think it could be that could be like an aspect of uniqueness too right if you have a unique writing style that also works you know yeah. that maybe is a, is an even bonus. One and one notable thing he doesn't mention here in the, in the question is like a good story, right? So that might narrative, be something yeah. to throw in the mix yeah, too. Or, Which I feel or like characters Paul, or whatever. I mean, you always talk about characterization and stuff. Like that was the sense I would always get from you. I don't know if you've you've sort of shifted as we've done the show over the year, you know. But like the the kind of maybe. almost running gag was like. Poor characterization, right? Like, that was something that was, like, not appealing to you most of the time. Like, you were just like, ugh, like, you know, uh, uh, the yeah. story is unclear. These people that are in the story are, are people that I, I can't somehow get a grasp on, 
or something like that. Mm. What a fucking dummy thing. And I, I did, yeah, I did harp on that a lot, didn't I? No, I, I, I don't I think, think it's necessarily I, I think stupid. It's a dummy I just, thing either, yeah. We're talking about a preference, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah, yeah I think I have maybe shied away from that being like the top to it being more about like the pro style. Like, I, yeah, I think I, I'm less fixated on characterization now, actually. No, I think back to like the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, the medium is language, so good writing is good. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like I said. You know, I said all of the above. I didn't mean to just be have it be like this, like question dodge. It's just more like um, there's so many things you can be endeavoring to do within a book, which yeah. is kind of why they're amazing but you do have to like meet things on their own terms a lot of the time including things like we said before which is counterintuitive that you like kind of don't like but just you can sometimes just respect the fuck out of the attempt or like uh the idea at play even if you thought it was um ultimately not for you so Mm -hmm. like i think that's one of the things that like makes reading this interesting thing that people often avoid because it's like what hard work I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, and it's like, and it's like, uh, I, I feel like it's a regard of what is pleasurable and like, kind of training yourself into enjoying, occasionally, like a struggle, or mm-hmm. like a yep. slog. Um, I don't know if that I I got lost in the sauce there a little bit, but yeah. No, that's like, good. That's good. Yeah, that was good. Ma- it mean, made me think. Before you go, Gabe, yeah, I want to yeah. just reiterate on my point. Like, I think that out of all the arth- authors we've read. Simenon is like he hits all those markers to me in all the books that we've read by him. He has great characterization, great writing style. Um, but one thing I haven't mentioned yet is he does have a notion of the social and the political, which I m- think makes a, be- a book better. It, it just does. It doesn't necessarily have to be specific, but if you can grasp, if you can tackle and grasp like a a feeling or a mood of the time that you're writing in. Um. If that comes through strongly, because it's no matter what artistic medium you work in, I'm not saying that it should, but it adds something to any art, any piece of art for me. So, Simonon checks all the boxes for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on that on that last point, I mean, I I would argue that um, all literature and all art in general is political, whether it wants to be or not. That's maybe a spicier, different sort of sort of question, but I agree with you. Um, having a point of view is, is is important. Not necessarily like, oh, you have to take a view on this or that like specific political issue. That's not. I'm not interested in that. That, in, as a matter of fact, I think that usually turns out pretty bad. Um, yeah. But in general, having an orientation, a worldview that that comes through in your writing, I think, is interesting. Uh, you know, which I guess segues a little bit into my direct answer to this question about what makes a good book, which is like, I'm a sucker for, for like, you know, ideas and kind of thought provoking kind of concepts and topics explored. Um, And, you know, I think that can run the gamut from something like Simonon, who I think does a lot of like, you know, from my perspective, like philosophical heavy lifting (laughs) Very, as you yeah. said, Paul, very indirectly. He's he's not like citing philosophers. It's not like um, Percival Everett by Virgil Russell that we read a couple weeks ago, uh, which I also loved. I gave that book a five, first five, five. ever given on the show. And um, but 
you know, Simenon does that in a much more subtle, which is not necessarily a dig at Percival Everett, obviously, but it's a much more subtle way. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, that can, so like, but, but then that can run all the way to something like Percival Everett by Virgil Russell, or it can run all the way into like some science fiction text, right? Like uh, I said in, during the review, I love the concept. And I think Matt, you kind of hinted at this earlier of altered states by yeah. Patty Chayefsky, like great ideas, really interesting. Um, but, but of course, and so even if I prize good ideas and interesting ideas above something like prose or, you know, narrative coherence or whatever, if something else like shits the bed bad enough, it can outweigh, <laughs> it can outweigh that consideration. And I think that for me was the case with altered states, for example. Yeah. Well, that reminds yeah. me just, Oh, sorry. Go Matt. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, there's probably a ton of great examples that I wish I could like rattle off of just like, I, it, I, very rare for me. Do I ever think of something as like an innately bad idea? Most things just feel Sorry, like bad true, executions true. That's a good or like point. people that can't meet what they their uh, their their uh, abilities can't meet their ambitions. I mean, I uh, I think I would disagree a little bit. Um, I think that there are some. I can even think of some books that we've read for this show that I thought the 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 whole conceit, the idea was bad and and or stupid and or harmful. I would say Welbeck's submission falls into that category for me where there's, I just, I, I maybe con, it's, con, it's conceptually possible to write an interesting book about the Muslim takeover of Europe, but I, I just don't know what that would look like. Well, it, it, it depends on perspective, right? Like, I mean, <clears throat> we're getting philosophical, <laughs> philosophical already. <laughs> I, on question one, baby. <laughs> It just it, it it it's all about perspective to me because I mean I can think of plenty of movies where I consider it's just like it's a bad idea for a movie like Paul Blart Mall Cop, but if, <laughs> if <laughs> but if I mean but it's a but classic. you could take that and make something like probably incredibly interesting like what if what if yeah Denis Villeneuve fucking <laughs> <laughs> made. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I mean, I'd, I'd watch that. It'd probably be fucking awesome. It'd probably have like dead mall themes in Yo, it. Yo, hundred percent. Just and quiet. just like sad, fat Philip Seymour Hoffman type guy. Or, you know, it'd be. I can imagine it'd be fucking sick. One word All a right. minute. Okay, yeah. you've, con- you've, you've 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 both convinced me. Yeah, there's probably no such thing as a just a bad idea from the from the jump that that can never be. You know, that no hay can ever be made out of. You're probably right. right. Like, yeah, like in a vacuum. If you're just like the conceit yeah. is like yeah. the Muslim takeover of Europe. It's like there's so many things you could do with that idea. No, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're probably right. Um, I didn't, yeah, go we ahead. should move on. I was going to say, relating back to Simonon and Percival Everett, even though maybe Percival Everett was more like direct with his criticism socially and like his symbolism, I still think that. One thing I appreciate about those two authors and authors that I generally like is they kind of like like I've read and listened to interviews with Percival Everett and Simonon, and Simonon's kind of just like anytime anyone brings up symbolism and is like, "What are you trying to do here? Say about this character and like this moment." And he's he's kind of just like pure artist. Like I have a fucking seed in me that grows, and I write a book. What the fuck he, do you he, want me to say? He's very cagey about that kind of thing. Yeah. And first of all, Everett isn't cagey, but he's kind of similar and just like, 
un, he has like that artist sensibility of just like I just kind of fucking write what I want, what I'm thinking about, and what I'm feeling, and it just comes out that way. Well, and I, I was gonna say I think like we we were we were talking about like political art earlier, and you were saying nothing isn't political, but I think you know one of the problems with the statements like like that not a problem but like what people how people take it and we had discussed this a little in like discord or whatever is like the bad faith conception of what that means right which is that it's like right. you know about uh, dorito mussolini trump or like uh, fucking <laughs> it's like ronald mcdonald with like a oil, on sitting on an oil barrel with like an ak-47 you know what i mean like just like yeah, some yeah. really like ideologically just ham-fisted uh unsubtle crap which I think uh I don't know. So you know you know what I mean like yeah, so I it's so. not that's not what we're saying when we say like that these things permeate everything. No, not at all. Yes. No, you can really you can really swing and miss. I think. All, all I mean is that is that books like just cuz we're that's the type of critter that we are is that they're written, conceived of and created in a socio-political, historical, cultural context, that it's like it's like tofu. It soaks in it, and the, <laughs> right, and, yeah. the, and the flavor is in the thing, even if it wasn't intended to be cooked that way or whatever. I'm, the analogy yeah, is maybe that's a good analogy. Good, yeah, maybe beef. Well, I think that's the whole thing about tofu <laughs> is that it absorbs whatever flavor it's next to or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was thinking about it in an opposite way. Like yeah. beef kind of gets absorbed into the soup. All right, yeah, let's, that next works question. Too. <laughs> 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 kind of soups you all like. Okay, yeah, well, the no. next the, the next question, uh, this is also from Thelonious Drunk Books on Instagram. Um, this one actually is very appropriate for that interaction that just happened. The question is, how is it possible that Paul makes both the best and the worst jokes on every episode? <laughs> I greatly appreciate this question. I mean, I kind of ignored the second half of the question. But I, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually Gabe read this to me before, and I was like, first of all, thank you, and that's hilarious. But also, have you seen the movie Signs? You know, Joaquin Felix's uh, <laughs> character... <laughs> He's Whack, like a, oh that old wacky phoenix. <laughs> swing swing. Swing swing. Well, he's like a double A baseball player and he never makes it to the majors, but he has like the most home runs ever in double A or whatever. That's kind of how I see myself. I'm swinging for the fucking fences. And I want to hit a home run every time and sometimes I fucking don't. But, but I don't like, give a shit cuz I'm with my friends and they're, you know, they may make fun of me a little bit, but I don't give a shit. Well, it's like it, it's like how it's like how uh in almost every era, just to continue the baseball example, in almost every era of baseball, the people, McGuire, if you, so basically look, if you look at a list of baseball players with the most home runs of all time, right? And then you look at the baseball players with the most strikeouts of all time, it's basically the same list. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you get all the glory and all close. the shame. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking for I'm looking to hit like one three run homer per game. Sometimes and then strike I strike out cycle. the rest of the time. Yeah, and just strike out the rest of the time. <laughs> the important part is which one which jokes do you remember? You know what I mean? Dear That's listener. Right. That's yeah, true, yeah. man. That's so true actually. I Maybe feel it's like the it's, bad ones, I don't know. Probably well, whatever. You know, the, the 
swinging to the fences and you know what a home run is. That's again. Uh, well, listen, I'm just I'm trying to be humorous. You know, if someone strikes out and falls to the fucking ground and you laugh, that's kind of what I'm going for too. So you yeah. know, as long as like you're entertained. I feel like I'm afraid of the ball. <laughs> and I try. You and are a little bit of a bunter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if you I'm play baseball, like, you definitely. Or I get walked. Yeah, you get walked. <laughs> yeah, just like oh, mom, so I got a piece on balls again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, so Matt's humor is dr- is drawing the walk. Yes. <laughs> and Paul's Gabe, is. Uh, I don't know. You have what to my, finish it know. up. Me, I don't Gabe, know. You're like you're like a steady st- switch hitter with like a 325 batting average. I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm like Ichiro. I'm like the Ichiro <laughs> of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I saw I was in Metaphor Cleveland because I, I went to school there for a little bit, and I, I was I, I was seeing a game with the Mariners versus the Indians, who are now the uh, what are they called? I shouldn't say that anymore. Did they change the their name? Oh, they, they did change their, their name, name, right? I don't know what I don't remember what it is Me now. Neither. I think it's like the Gatherers or something. It doesn't matter. It's something. But I like saw that, yeah. I saw creepy. Ichiro. Someone. He was like taking batting practice in the right field or whatever, and someone hit a ball to him. No, dude, it's still like, the it's still the Indians. No, they switched it, dude. They fucking no, switched it. Not according to Wikipedia. They're the Guardians. It's the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, the Guardians. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, dude. It was like this summer. Okay. But I saw Ichiro. There was a ball coming right at him in batting practice, and he just ducked and like put his head between his legs and caught it behind his back. And it was the fucking coolest thing. I was like, Jesus. And his teammates on the team were just like, That's sick. (laughs) (laughs) That rocks. Legend. Oh, they're changing the name for the 2022 season. So it currently, that's why I was getting conflicting information. It's still currently, but they're changing it starting next year. You need time to like have all new merch and uniforms and yeah, like logos and stuff. Yeah. Um, All right. Next question. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sangbird on Discord asks, have we ever read a book and didn't make an episode about it because it was too bad or uninteresting? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> the answer is no. The forgotten episodes. Yeah, the forgotten episodes. Yeah, there are books that we've read together that we didn't make episodes about, but that was before we started the podcast. Yeah. The answer I, is no. The the simple answer is no, but it is yeah. an interesting hypothetical. Like, what... You know, what could there be a book like that? I'd be interested to know what the fuck that could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think we could. I don't think honestly we would ever do it. Isn't, I don't think it's ever crossed our heads. Yeah, right? I mean, f- first of all, right. Because there's, gotta, always, inter- there's you, always interesting things to talk about no matter what we can make it. We've we hated it shit. We've hated stuff that we've each yeah. other yes. have chosen. Like, definitely. Um yeah. I mean, I think but in the, general, like the the show must go on. A, a the show <laughs> must go on. You got to keep the fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, feed tube of content flowing at all times, <laughs> and uh, so yeah. we, we can't afford that luxury, even if we wanted to. But I, I agree with what Paul said. Also, that like even if I deeply hate something, um, I think it is at least as interesting, if not sometimes more interesting. To explore those those reasons than it is with stuff that I like. Um, also, just because like I I I have that reaction where I really really don't like something or think something super 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 boring and stupid, 
that is an infrequent reaction to me, maybe because I have that philosophy that Paul was talking about, that there's always something interesting going on at some level. Um, but I, I find that exploring reasons for hate is is interesting as well. Yeah, like a strong reaction is 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 kind of in reverse of what you know Sangbird is saying. Like a nice thing when you're doing a podcast or something like this. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it makes you. Why think am of I like, pissed? Uh, Why do I hate this? It makes you think of like Red Letter <laughs> Media. They've they've made a fucking YouTube career by basically reviewing horrible bad movies. And talking about them and why they're, you know, you know it, it actually makes things more interesting when we can decipher and think about why something doesn't work or why it doesn't work for us, you know? I would say almost that, like, um, there's a lot more podcast media and just general stuff like Red Letter. Although I think Red Letter, like, when they, you know, they get the rep of... I'm thinking of something, like, in the movie sphere, like Cinema Sins. I don't know if you ever watched one yeah, of their... Yeah, i watched, yeah. And they're just like haters. Like they're, they it's are. just like a kind of like a, a toxic thing, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But there's some there's stuff like that in literature podcast land. Like literally, like there's a ton of I think podcasts about just like bad books, and you read them and then you make fun of them, and like that's that's oh, really? the show. Yeah, and I, I and I think the thing is I can't fathom doing that exclusively. That seems like its own kind of hell to me to not try Definitely. and find. It. Just to not try and just engage consistently with things you want to like want or to. Are trying to like, yeah. as opposed to just yeah, that you know awful. you're 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 pissed about it from the start. But like, uh, it kind of it it turns into that kind of like comedian syndrome, which makes me sad too. Is just like when you do some, a podcast like that, you're just constantly kind of giving yourself pain in order to entertain, right? Right. Sometimes you need to drink the tears of a clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, just from the uh, sorry, Section. if you guys mentioned this already, I had to go pee. Uh, peek behind the curtain. Uh, <laughs> peek. Yeah. Um, peek behind the <laughs> shower curtain. You creeper, watching me pee. Peeing in the shower. Um, peeing in the shower. I'm for it. Um, drinking the, a beer, peeing in the shower. Just from a <laughs> yeah, dude. Drinking a beer and peeing in the shower at the same time. That's like sublime. Oh, good one of the, lord. One of the subtlest pleasures. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, yes. But you know the other thing, just from a content perspective, who doesn't love a good rant video? Who doesn't oh, love yeah. right. a good fucking like ranty? I fucking hated this. Here's why. Video. No, we were saying like it's it's fine to feel strongly, and we were saying in fact that's something that is probably going to yield something more fun than like a measured, you know, whatever. I was just we were just I I started talking about like. Uh, the fact that that's so satisfying that there's things exclusively yes about tearing apart stuff that I mean, that get, feels like it it unbalances to like the shitty end where it's right. like you're, if kind that's of, your you're, whole you're in hell yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get back to the question a little bit though there probably was one episode that i wish i i was considering like asking Matt and Gale, like <laughs> can we maybe not air this one can you guys try to guess what i which one it was <laughs> Hold on, let me think for a second. You probably uh, don't think it was embarrassing as embarrassing as I remember it being. No, I feel like I actually don't know what it is because uh, I I know one you hated that we didn't air. Right? Yeah, that the the one of the infamous lost episodes. Yeah. But I, I honestly, I do think if I read that book now, I'd probably like it more. Oh, I don't without, know. Without without um, question. Okay, was it was it an early episode? 
it was probably like in the in the first fifteen. Um, the minor. No, that that was a good episode. Okay. No, no Paul I, liked that book. Oh, okay. I liked that book. I yeah. forgot. All right. Well, yeah, I'll just tell way you. Way off. Wait, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was it Dispaccio HG? Ooh. No. You did you no. did not like that not book. Like I did not that. like that book. No. This is actually an episode we kind of all I think we were considering like should we air this one? If that's a clue. Not even maybe, maybe not that, but you were, we were all kind of like this was kind of embarrassing. The Charles Dickens all went episode, a bit crazy. No, that was fun. That was me just getting insanely drunk and ending the episode early. Yeah, ah, Chang, because we didn't know what the fuck anything. Ah, about Chang. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's King true. Chinese, yeah, that's nice, true. Matt. You, you got it. I because I actually yeah, I, I felt similarly. I was like, because I'm I, you know, I drink most shows, so like yeah, we I think we all do. Just for the record. Yeah, but that was like a not drinking like ten maybe. But that yeah, that was definitely one where I was like, by the end of that, I was like, okay, um, I can hear how my voice is, I can (laughs) feel how my thoughts are escaping my mouth, and uh, then then also in conjunction with like, I don't know, just like uh, an unfamiliar like culture. I was like, I hope this is fine. Yeah, I mean, I I knew we were drunk on that episode. By the end of it, but I, I don't. I don't think we sounded like absolute drooling idiots. Like we talked about the relationship <laughs> between Buddhism and the Cultural Revolution, and like it wasn't. Yeah. We, it wasn't like we were just like, oh my god, like tree kids and communism. Well, okay. Yeah. The reason I was, I mean, I had stayed up for like twenty four hours before that episode because I was trying to reset my sleep schedule, and then <laughs> I got drunk. <laughs> So that was why I was like irritable shit. I, I was shouting and just mo- like I was already drunk from being awake that long. And then I'm like, I'm going to drink actual beers. <laughs> and I just felt so dumb and just like uh, it was just ups and downs of just being like angry at nothing. Just like the fuck, like a fucking like piece of dust in my room and then being like incredibly happy they're like this looks awesome you know i just felt <laughs> <Yeah>. totally stupid <laughs> Wee! all right yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> i'm fucking having yeah. the time of my life Wee! yeah yeah my right. spirit animal that day was like a 17 year old girl like, mao zedong Florida. was a fascist yeah <laughs> it's like what oh shit okay uh next question this is from uh Filoni's drunk books um what are some of the most prized books that you own? Sentimental, monetary value, whatever. Mm. I think this is an interesting question. Um, I have... Go ahead. First? No, yeah, go ahead. Mine are all probably comic books and graphic novels. Oh, that's interesting. I, and uh, I have like probably 40 really rare new type magazines from Japan. These Japanese cool. magazines. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. I sent, I sent you one, Matt, right? I got it. It's, just, it's in this yeah. room. They're really fucking awesome, and they're all like between forty and a hundred dollars a piece on eBay. And I just fucking I can't. They're all in Japanese, but they're all just like really big, kind of. I don't know how to describe. They're thick, and they have just amazing prints in them. Um, and I val I have them all in like plastic. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just really value them, and I also just have some pretty, not rare, but. I, I spent a lot of money on some like French graphic novels um, by Bastien Vives, who's one of my favorite 
comic artist. He's um, great. So I have some pretty fucking sick books by him that I just really value. Hell but yeah. In terms of like prose, I don't, I don't think I have any like super rare ones or super expensive ones or anything like that. We were talking. Yeah. You have a, you have a nice little seminar. Oh, I have seminar. Yeah, you have yeah, some okay. out of print hardcover seminar. You have like yeah. actually some really nice ones. One yeah. of the the yeah, one the, the <laughs> one that, the one the one that, the the pair that you gave me for Christmas last year are actually on my list of of mine. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, because Paul Paul he they when you guys came out here last year around Christmas time. You brought one and gave it to me for Christmas, and then I won the other one in Bloodsport against Matt uh, in Rock Paper Scissors. Right. And uh, oh, I fucking forgot about that. So those are actually those are actually on my list. Uh, these hardcover, uh, like out of print Simonon editions. I love these. Um, I gave you the cat and the cat and my gray and the headless corpse. Oh yeah, and yeah. I read that one before I gave it to you. That's sweet. A fucking good yeah. One. Yeah. Um, I will say I have I have a couple, but I will say that like so that's that's one of them for me, or a couple of them. But I will say like I don't personally. Um, I know a lot of people in the like booktube, online book spaces are like really into like like collecting books. I do not have that instinct at all. Like I I'm not particularly interested in like finding first editions or signed copies or yeah whatever. I I don't know why. Um, like Me neither. I, I, I don't own, I'm actually I don't, I don't own, I don't own more than one edition of any book that I have. Um, and I would, and I would never buy another edition of the same book. I mean, maybe if there was like a, a different introduction or some critical essays or something like that included, like that's maybe a separate story. But like, I just, I just don't have that, um, bug with respect to books. I, I, I like collecting other things in some, some, some cases, but I just, I don't have that that urge to like find the rare books or the rare edition or first edition or signed or whatever. I just don't, I don't know. Um, that said, I do have a few that are, that are, um, I find sentimental or, or valuable for other reasons. I, the one, the one type of book that I like collecting is like, um, you know, nuclear era, like nuclear age sci-fi paperbacks. Uh, so I, I have like a, a, or atomic age, I guess, is like yeah. like fifties and you know fifties uh, and sixties and stuff, and so I have a small. Um, it used to be larger, but I, I I sold some of them when I kind of like was moving and stopped reading fiction and stuff. But I have a small but but valuable to me collection of like Ace. There was like these Ace doubles where it was like a, doubles, a, a book, yeah. and then you flipped it over and it's another book on the other side in the same book. I heard um, you showing me those. Aren't there a lot of them like super racist too? Oh, I or mean, they're that very, very problematic yeah. for sure. Yeah. A lot of them are. A lot. I mean, a lot of. I mean, not that that's a unique thing about literature from that time, but um, uh, yeah, a lot of. I have a. I have a collection of those. There's some like um, Dell uh, did these things called map backs where there'd be like it. They'd be like these little mystery novels, and then on the back cover, it would be a map of the setting of the mystery. Like it was like. You know, like, you know, Mahogany Manor or Murder at Mahogany Manor or whatever on the back would be a map of the 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 house and like all the different rooms and where the murder happened and shit like that. That rocks. So I I, I do have a soft spot for old uh, like trade paperbacks, sci fi, Western mystery. um, And I have a a small collection of those that's valuable to me. Um, The other ones are I have a, a, a small collection of books 
that I took from my my grandfather's library after he passed that has have his name all in that and he was a he was a uh, minister and went to Union Theological Seminary studied under um, some famous um, uh, theologians Reinhold Niebuhr um, who people might know yeah um, and so he had a, a really pretty robust collection of like theology and kind of religious philosophy text and and which is something that's interesting to me. And so I have a few few books from his library that uh, that are valuable to me for that reason. And the last one is a book. It's it's uh, it's called it's called The Great Anarchists: Ideas and Teaching of Seven Major Thinkers by Paul Elsbacher. And the reason I, I I am an anarchist politically, but that's separate issue. Why this book is valuable? I like this book just because this is the book that I've I, I believe owned for the longest time that I have still currently in my possession. I got this book when I was probably like 14 and I'm sure there are some books that were like technically mine that are like in my dad's basement or something like that. But in terms of a book that I've carried with me, like through college, through grad school, through various moves back and forth across the country, it's this one and it's beat to shit. It's been soaked and watered and it's like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it looks like some wavy water damage on. Those oh, pages. deep water damage. Uh, like wavy the spine pages. is like falling apart, but just because this is like in some ways my, my first book that's still in my library. That's valuable to me. Damn. That's so much better nice. than what I'm about to say. Matt's <laughs> <Well, okay. laughs> like I have the Bible. Uh, <laughs> my dad got me the Bible. Well, I just like I'm with Gabe in the sense that like I don't have the collector's impulse. Like uh, I like to amass. I'm amassing books. I want to. Uh, I, I like owning books as objects, but like cherished, certainly not expensive versions of stuff. Like no, 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 no. Like that's that's not at all what I'm. I'm in it for it's like uh, that's beer money, baby. That's good beer money. Yeah, I'm trying to find you know like if it's if it costs a lot, I'm kind of trying to avoid it. It's kind of books that, however, I can get them, but like I'm you know, so like yeah, I just don't have that like uh, rare book collector, first edition like Gabe said, signed fucking. There are beautiful books out there, uh, so I guess mine are all ones that were most. I'm gonna say basically all the ones I'm about to say were given to me by my grandmother, uh, not a not a student of Reinhold Neighbor, but like she uh, she was an English teacher in high school, and she was an English teacher in uh, ESL in like uh, sign language, which is like a I don't even know. I've talked to her about this. I don't know. I still don't know how to can like conceive of like that element to teaching English class via sign language. But, uh, yeah, so I just got this, like, illustrated uh, Edgar Allan Poe Mysteries hardcover that's uh, awesome. And then uh, there's a uh, box set of, uh, like, an, I forget fucking even when, but, like, uh, Oxford English Dictionary. Nice. Like an old leather-bound one that's really, cloth-bound one, rather, that's really nice. Uh those are the only books I'm really like sentimental about. I wouldn't like to see anything get destroyed that I own, but um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not super emotional about the books. I'm I'm, I'm sentimental about all, like all of my books to a degree. Like I'm, sure, I'm, that, yeah. I'm like I'm that guy who like does not like lending books out and stuff me like neither. that. Like I hate, I I'm I've very, actually been called an asshole for that. Yes, me too. I'm I'm very <laughs> I'm very like possessive about them in the sense that like my library as a whole 
is deeply sentimental and valuable. The to idea me. of a library, yes, um, that is more what I'm into. But less so for like this or that specific book. That's funny. I'm 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 the opposite in both respects. Actually, like I I don't mind lending out books. So I'm a giver, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, and the he last does book mean I, it like that. If anyone's yeah. interested, I do. I do. I'm single. Um, and it's, and I, the, it's a good book. I did, the last book I did lend <laughs> out, though, I have not gotten back, and it, yeah, it's kind of annoying. That's but I will say, I, I kind of do like, like I would actually really like to get into collecting more rare books. Actually, like, I, I actually do like the mystique of it, like the kind of antique, unique nature. Um, I kind of buy into like, cool. This artist signed this book. I kind of, I do actually kind of like that. I haven't bought any. I'm not sure if I will, but I do like that idea. I, I mean, um, don't get me wrong. Like, I do like the idea. And if I had like, if I was like filthy rich, one of the first things that I would do was go buy like rare signed first editions of books and shit like that. But yeah. like right now, it's just not something that I think about that much or prioritize. Yeah. But I will right. say, I, I do, like Matt, you said earlier, you like books as objects. Like, I, I really do, pre- like, that's why I like comic and graphic novels in those magazines. It's like, I appreciate uh, things like nice pages and a nice mm-hmm. cover. And I and I do hold some mystique in, like, an old book. Like, um, there's these artists that I follow that I've talked to, or I've talked about in the podcast before, but they kind of, they send each other, like, super old books from like the 1500s for their birthdays and shit just because they both really appreciate like uh just books as objects you know maybe they have like really unique pages made out of weird paper that isn't printed (laughs) anymore and i i I do i like that kind of thing it's almost like you have a little museum object in your house yeah all right next question we're predictably moving very slow sorry no 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 it's fine i'm loving it um all right this is also from Thelonious Drunk Books uh most overrated literary writers Let's get spicy with it. Ooh. I don't know if I'll have a good strong opinion that can be valued on this question actually. Yeah, I don't I, know, man. Do you I, got you get can you kick us off, Gabe? Yeah, I mean I can. I I, I don't so here's the thing like I I like as I've said many times at this point. I was out of reading fiction for a big chunk of my life where I would have otherwise been reading some of the fiction that I'm reading now. Oh, I know what you're going to say, I think. What? Quellbeck. Oh, well, maybe. Uh, I don't don't like Quellbeck from what I've read. But again, so this this is kind of the the problem that I'm going to have here is that for a lot of these kind of like canonical, important writers, DeLillo... Like McElroy, uh, you know, whatever, Quellbeck as well. Um, I've really only read, like, I don't have a sense of their work as a whole, like the oeuvre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read, yeah. I've read one book or, you know, maybe two from some of these people that have 10, 20, you know, novels that they've written. Um, and so I don't, I don't feel like super strongly about someone being overrated as a whole. At this point, I mean, I can I can I can single out specific books. You know, we read uh, Cosmopolis, which is a DeLillo novel, and I really, really didn't like it. Um, yeah. But, either. you know, I've had people tell me I've, ha- I've heard mixed things about that specifically from people who are like, well, 
that's not really representative, not really a good place to kind of start with DeLillo. Um, and then people who say, well, that's eh, kind of how he writes all the time. Um, and so I, I just don't really know how to feel about it at this point, you know, in terms yeah, of yeah. Um, uh, uh, that, that sort of a thing. Um, I'm trying to think if there's someone that I can, that I have like a more like well-rounded or developed, uh, opinion or, or critique of, um, but I mean, I guess like one of the other things is that, you know, in terms of people being overrated, so like here, like you read a book by someone like we, for like we were just talking about Cosmopolis, I read it, I didn't like it. I don't, that's not enough evidence for me to say DeLillo is overrated in general, but it is also going to um, tamp down to some degree, just psychologically, my desire to keep reading DeLillo in order to round out that opinion about his oh, yeah. whole body of work. You know what I mean? It's good marketing. Um, so it's it's hard, you know. Uh, I don't know if I have anyone that I'm that I'm comfortable saying their entire body of work is overrated, which I'm sure is a disappointing answer for the drama people out there. Yeah, and I definitely don't either. I, I was actually expecting you to say well back for both of you, and I thought you would also say uh, I forget the, Infinite Jest, the author of Infinite Jest, just because you've been reading David it. Foster Wallace. Oh well, yeah, I thought that maybe you would say separate, that because like there's a separate question all, I mean, about David Foster Wallace coming up. By the way, okay, well then I'll, I'll hold off on it. But I thought maybe yeah, I mean, he'd be in the discussion a little bit. The idea of overrated and in, in literature, yeah, it's t- it's t- it's tough. I. I yeah, I'm, I'm I'm about to round out this this disappointment by just saying there's no one I can out and out claim to say is is overrated. Uh, I've been disappointed again by singular works of people who are very famous, like uh, I think uh, uh, Sebald bores me to tears. Austerlitz was probably one of the most dry, boring books I've ever read. Uh, do I think Sabald therefore is like not worth his his status? I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I, apologies. I mean, like I could. I think I could say something like. But then again, like we have to. This circles back a little bit to the question of like what makes good writing. Like for me, I'll say, and this is someone that I have read a good chunk of their work. Orwell, I think, is a pretty terrible writer. Um, I don't find his work compelling to read. Uh, I don't think he's particularly adept with language, but arguably historically and politically one of the most influential and important, you know, writers of all time. So, over- do you think he should be though? That's the thing. I mean, I, this is now because we're talking about your opinion, so it's chill. Yeah. So, like, is Orwell because 1984 is probably one of the most read books in the world? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it might. It's like. Well, I think for that book, the it's Bible. like, I think it, for that book in particular, though, is that like, it, it it goes beyond the regard of the prose because the idea well, was so strong. Right. right? Well, it's so that's like the a, that's that's why it's confusing or, or or a little muddled, right? Because like, if you say is Orwell overrated, right? Okay, is Orwell overrated as a writer? I don't know that people are reading Orwell for the writing because of his ever, writing prose. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, or the story or anything. They're reading it for you know, political concepts and in a lot of cases, you know, currently like cynic, just like to make a cynical manipulative point. Like, so, you know, I don't know. Like, and then if you, and then if you switch the question again and say, should Orwell be politically influential? I mean, I don't, that's a weird historical counterfactual that I don't really know how to process. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? 
I guess. I mean, oh, go for it. Go for it, Paul. I was gonna. I was gonna get off the rails a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Do it. I don't think. Just quickly. Uh, when when I read 1984, when I was like fucking, I don't know, 13 or something, I I had like a really weird visceral experience. I finished it at like two o'clock in the morning at my grandpa's house, and I was like so distraught by the ending and everything. I just like kind of read it in three days. I literally had like a weird out of body experience where I thought that like my heart was outside my body and it was like giant and it was pulsating and I just had <laughs> an overwhelming desire to change the world. That's epic. Damn. So, yeah, it was fucking weird. And I woke up feeling like really depressed, like a cocaine hangover almost. Well, so that's the thing, really, right? Like, really fucking weird. Like if I say, okay, I don't think or- Orwell's a good writer. Um, that's not really a, that's not really speaking to like that sort of experience that Paul had, right? Because like that experience wasn't motivated really i i mean i mean i don't know i imagine that experience was more motivated by like your understanding of the concepts orwell is working with and some of the ideas that he's putting forward it's so it's like you know well the question is about overrating something and like if if obviously like people can have their very like unique experiences with something that undercut anything you could say about like you know i like i just said sabald's boring if someone's having a fucking just blissful revelation during the reading of that obviously yeah like i don't say that that's not valid or true but the i don't know the question is like definitely like at least for like for instance in orwell it's like uh if he's being kind of used pedagogically to 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 make a uh, largely political point with 1984 in particular, are there not, in your opinion, underrated, better examples of either that concept or a better concept yeah. of totalitarianism that could be taught in schools or you know just things like well, that? Well, I think th- I think that yeah, our then the answer is yes for me. Definitely yeah. yes, but like it's, it's interesting like how things how certain books and certain authors get regarded. Like it makes me think of of Mohsen Hamid's book that we read, mm-hmm. which is like you know New York Times bestseller. Exit West. We, we yeah. didn't have great things to say about it overall. I think we thought it was like pretty decent. But I tried to make the the point in that podcast about um, just like popularity and being a really real thing and like readability and like can this book work at a for a really really fucking large audience in the way that pop music does and does that devalue it does that make that artist or author overrated because of the way that their art is kind of popularized and i that's an that's yeah. a weird question for me it's like and who's rating you know, it right you know like is it is it like we were saying like you got the you got a very long cultural longevity with somebody like orwell who i'm just latching on to because that's yeah, like Gabe said, maybe one of the third or second most read books in the world. Uh, versus, right, like, I don't know, like, critical appraisal. Uh, so, yeah, it gets complicated. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I like, I could say, okay, so here's the closest experience that I've had recently to this. Paul, Paul's going to be pissed, uh, but and then we can transition to the next question. Murakami. Mur- Murakami would be the closest yeah. experience that I've had that. Now... You know, a lot of people who style themselves as like, you know, fucking ha- like good book readers 
um, already don't like Murakami, right? Because he's popular, pro style's too simple, yeah. whatever, 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 right? Uh, I've read, you know, we did an episode on Killing Commendatore. Me and Paul went through one of his short story collections. I, I think, you know, he's probably better than the, like, lit bros think he is. But, like, not, the not like, one of the best writers writing currently, probably. You know what I mean? So it's, like, kind of overrated and underrated by de- depending on the group you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, in, I think in my perspective on Murakami after reading more authors over the over the last year or whatever is that I still fucking love he's still my favorite author I would, I would say at least in the top 2 but I I do actually think I like him uh in different ways than the populist does like I, I I don't know the the more popular books I've read by him I really do not like I think they're definitely overrated and kind of bad well and to get back on to that, like to just reiterate the point and I also have not read like some of the books that are considered his like best books. Like I haven't read Wind Up or Chronicle. Haven't read IQ eighty four. Whatever, whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think my last thing on Marikami is I want to say the uh the dive into the male gaze is something that he does best and it's not something I ever hear talked about. Um it's al- it's always like, oh he writes women bad. It's like for me it's like no, he's writing from a very like true kind of yucky male perspective which i I'm not saying i agree with but it's interesting as fuck to me but okay any final thoughts on this question matt uh no i wish i had a, i wish i had something spicier to say that's all i'll say about that yeah um i can i can talk shit about a lot of people but i'm not comfortable saying like overrated and again, it's like, yeah, it's individual works, sure, but I have a hard time with the whole oeuvre thing. And also, like Gabe said, you know, a lot of the time, if I don't like something, I don't follow up by reading more. Right. So it's, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, right. Okay, so the next question, uh, which I'm going to just based on the last discussion we had, is from um, Thomas on Facebook, who asks, uh, why haven't we read the Wind Up Bird Chronicle for the show yet, and will we? <laughs> Well, Matt, Matt, and I both read it. Yeah, I have not read it, so I, I, I'll That's just partially say, why. I'll I'll just say I would read it. I would read it for the show, but yeah, it's 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 a bit of a, you know, when two out of the, out of the three people have already read it, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Would you guys read it again? I mean, I I recently I was reading it over the course of like the last year slowly, and I recently finished it like maybe a month ago. And I actually, I just didn't really like it. Actually, <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would. Sorry, I don't, Thomas. I don't really feel like it uh, right now. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe here's 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 what I'll say. Uh, I'm taking applications for my next um, big book that I'm going to read for Patreon vlog videos. I'm currently doing Infinite Jest, uh, and so maybe I'll do the Wind Up Bird Chronicle for that uh, once okay. I finish Infinite Jest. All right. Well, Thomas, I will say my favorite Murakami book is uh, West of the Border, South of the Sun, or South of the Border, West of the Sun. I can't remember. I think it's but the, yeah. It's Which is like, one of the ones that a lot of his other big fans on, like, you know, don't really like that much, right? I know, but to me, that one was my favorite one so far. Uh, and that that's why, I don't know, I, I think of him as in a different way than I think a lot of Murakami fans think of him. Like, I, 
I value things that a lot of his major fans don't. And I devalue a lot of the things that his major fans do. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll do it as a, as a Patreon kind of a long, long, long form vlog thing. Um, Cool, man. Do it. Yeah. Once I finish uh, Infinite Jest. Speaking of Infinite Jest, uh, the next question comes from Thelonious Drunk Books on Instagram. For Matt, how did you first get into DFW and what are your opinions of his overall body of work? (laughs) Short story gems, favorite turns of phrase, factoids, etc. Oh, man. Like, so his oeuvre and bio? (laughs) Oeuvre, bio. Get into the the juice here with uh, the Wallace man. Uh, I don't think my story is uncommon. I think I, I like. I started. Uh, I thought he was like the best writer ever in college. Um, very specifically, I, I guess because like, um, like, I almost wonder if it was destructive my my fandom of him. But like, he was already kind of a meme, right? Like, when I got yeah, to college a, and yeah. In 2006. Yeah, and he still is. But, like, you know, it's just funny. Like, in 2006, like, I was a freshman and, like, I was reading Infinite Jest. And uh, it, like, really, um, his kind of just, like, whole, his whole demeanor and uh, perspective and the work itself uh, really spoke to me at the time as, like, just a kind of overly self-conscious and very depressed person mm-hmm. um who's kind of like reminiscent of your college years yeah exactly i think very specifically like my college years like yeah uh i was like no one else is no one else is hitting these notes of like i'm uh, like very i'm way too self-conscious and like overly capable of like verbally ex- like describing my experiences while that doing literally nothing to alleviate the state of depression and anxiety. Mm. So like whatever, it's like this person who is like really uh articulating something to me at a time when I was like in my late teens, super early 20s. Yeah. Uh and and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I I devoured everything he he did. He killed himself in 2008 uh right when I was in the middle of college. Um, did did that affect you at the time? Yeah, I was very sad about that. I felt like a a, a sort of like kindred voice was uh was killed at the in my current instant. Like, I don't think Wallace in particular was an an incredible writer. Like, I, I don't. Uh, uh, I think uh, he was developing in a positive direction. Uh, obviously I read, uh, the pale King and saw sort of like instantiations of, I don't know, something, something that felt different from what he was doing prior. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just like young, overly self-conscious kind of like self-styled, like I'm very smart and I'm depressed. Yeah. It was, that shit I, just was like so appealing to me, and uh, and you know I can't deny that like I think he continues to have that effect on people, and that that's kind of important. Although I do wonder if there was a sort of negative element to it, where 
you go down the path because he, you know, he fucking offed himself. It's like there. I, I don't. I just wonder if fans of his at, that are young people just just kind of sit in that because he obviously did and like find an allure in that. Mm. And that's his ultimate failing to me is that not that I need a so you're, solution, you're, you're but worried like, that he's t- turning people into doomers. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. He did for me. Um, and, and then, then obviously depression and, and just like that, 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 that is a bound perspective. And that ultimately feels like, uh, why you either grow out of the work that he was capable of finishing in his sh- way too short lifespan or, uh, or you, you find, you realize that there's, uh, better stuff out there yeah i mean i i haven't read that book yet but i I do like the way you guys describe it i do think i'm not gonna read it actually i'm just not (laughs) but i I do think it's like infinite jest um in particular but i i don't know i i I, from what i've gathered over the last few months when you guys have talked about it or just it, it makes me think of just any kind of book or show or movie that like is really maybe like it can resonate at a certain time of your life really like a lot like barney resonated with people when they're fucking (laughs) okay bro (laughs) (laughs) that's like that's a spicy analogy yeah okay it's i went back too far but you know like something like the great gatsby is that a better thing like it'll resonate it can it can really First of all, be effective yeah. uh, in a, in a certain age bracket, right? And maybe Infinite Jest is really valuable at a certain age bracket. And I'm you know, I mean, I think this is a really this is a really interesting question to discuss a little bit for me personally right now because I'm reading it for the first time at 33. Yeah. So yeah. I so I don't have that like. Um, there know, is a nostalgia element for me now at this point. Yeah, and but 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 so I'm going in for the first time at at in my er, you know early to mid 30s, and I I don't have any of that kind of like romance of depression or romance of you know. Well, you've also never whatever. been depressed your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So uh, that probably adds to it, also. That's that's true. Yeah, I'm generally a positive. I do, I'm generally very a uh, positive mental attitude type of guy. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, but you know, I, so I think it's it's interesting to read it now for that reason. But I think that uh, you know, I'm like I'm like about 300 pages in, um, and you know. I think one one of the things so far for me is that, and this is why, Paul, I, I would recommend that you read it if you ever want to, even very slowly, which I'm doing, um, is it, it, it's very readable. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. The, the writing is not, it's not, it's not like 900 pages of, of like McElroy cannonball writing at all. Yeah. Because um, that's how people describe it, right? Well, it's uh, it's people describe it's just it as long. Being, it's so just people it's, say it's, hard. it's basically yeah. yeah, it's basically yeah. just long, and people are a bunch of like crybaby like little diaper people about the end notes, <laughs> um, right? That it, that it has end notes, which is like okay, well, whatever, and that you know that's not a thing. End for notes. Me. I've come around on end notes completely. They're I fucking fun. I hate and I I think they should all be footnotes, but I'm mm. the concept is fine. Um, yeah. But a- anyway, uh, and they were supposed to be. They were turned to endnotes, I believe. Oh, is that true? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I think so. 
Well, then his first instinct is right. Footnotes are objectively better than endnotes. The editor was, uh, yeah. Um, like, it's too disruptive. He's like, that's the point. That's what consciousness is like. And they didn't. Yeah, whatever. But that, but that's such stupid reasoning because having to pause and, like, mark your page and then turn to the end of the book is way more disruptive than yeah. it Agreed. being on the same page. So that's fucking stupid. Agreed. Um, but I, I, I'll say, like, I, I obviously I can't pass judgment on the whole book yet. And it is complicated in the sense that there's a shit ton of characters and different, like, things you have to keep track of and it jumps around in time and all that stuff. That's true. But the writing itself is not is not what I would call complicated writing. Um, I also think that I, I'm not ready to say I don't think he's a good writer yet, Matt. I think there's some, like, really brilliant moments. And, Did I say and, that? Well, you said you, you've come around to the view that you think he's, like, not a great writer at this point in your thinking. No, I, I, I don't think I don't I, I just don't hold the opinion I had where he was my favorite writer and he wrote anything that didn't res- closely resemble what he was already doing was was something that I just couldn't read because it just wasn't that. I guess I didn't make it clear, but like, OK, he's just not um, he's not up there with like the best right like writers I've ever read. Anymore. Yeah. Which yeah. he was. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, I don't really have much to say about that because, like I said, this is the first. I think I've read some of his, like, nonfiction essays and stuff in the past, but this is, like, the, the first time I'm really reading, engaging with his fiction. So. Um, all right. Next question. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Um, Susie on instagram i think uh let me let me pull up her handle i don't want to like say people's full names brunette burnout on instagram (laughs) all right love that handle uh brunette burnout on instagram asks are any of us writing anything right now are any of us in the writing game i did not expect this question I'll, i'll go first no uh i'm just a spineless coward critic who talks about other people's books it's not entirely true. I do write a lot, actually, but it's all academic writing for for uh, journals that no one's going to read. So it's probably not probably not the thrust of the question. Yeah, Matt, are you writing anything? Yeah, but I'm writing. I wrote a comic book for you to draw. Oh yeah, and then I also am writing another comic book for me to draw, um, like in the new year. And you have like a a complete, co- a, a, a couple complete comics out there already, right, Matt? Yeah, they're they're for fun. I mean, like, I I don't um, plug them, plug them, baby. I ain't deadly serious about this. I try and keep it in the realm of like fun. So, uh, well, I don't know. I, there, there's a there's my very first attempt, which I drew, wrote and drew. Uh, so the drawing is the key component there. That's kind of amateurish, but uh, it's about the tricks rabbit if he were uh, genetically engineered to be alive. And then I wrote a short <laughs> Christmas comic for my family, which I then p- made public. Both links of which I think you can just go like to my Twitter at Matthew Torpy and uh, and they I, should I be colored, there. I colored the tricks comic over the no, you colored the week. Christmas one. Oh, the Christmas one. Yeah. Like two years ago, and I didn't sleep for like a week, coloring that thing. That was fun. I I super appreciate. It. I didn't mean to just <laughs> glide over your contribution. Yeah, Paul, Paul helped me with that very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Matt has a, a 
completed, pretty much completed comic that I'm uh, drawing and coloring and everything. So we're yeah. kind of comic. Paul's doing the harder part of it. Yeah, but Matt wrote oh, don't, a very don't good don't comic about that. script. No, it's detailed. true. In comics, it's true. In comics, it's true. It like it's a visual medium, so like um, I would I would it's it's very like obvious to me that like the artist kind of like pulls it off. Actually, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, I've 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 seen like good shit like kind of get by with like really bad drawing, but like it kind of you you're always aware that yeah. you know what i mean like you want the alchemy of both really clicking so right 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 for sure it's a it's like a hybrid medium a good idea has to be executed well paul are you writing anything uh yeah i didn't expect this question but weirdly enough i am and it's only been because of the podcast like we read so many books hell yeah i've kind of dived back into my love of writing uh i used to write in college a lot and I told Gabe this story that or I think I told both of you guys, but like I, I would get into classes where I knew the final exam would be like either a story or a final paper and I would just not do my homework and then just write a story. And <laughs> it happened like three or four times where my professors were like, this is really fucking good. Like you're getting a 90 average and you we're going to get a 60. So that's cool. So I've always, I've always really enjoyed it actually. And I, um, so I've been writing. I don't want to say what I've been writing, but I've been I've been writing. Is it uh, what, well? Wait, wait. Why don't you want to say? Short stories, longer form, poetry, maybe something novel, like that. Poetry, what? yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, like a short a short story, but maybe like a novella, just to just to try to do it. How? Oh, fuck yes, what dude. kind of progress like have a, you made? I have almost two chapters complete in like a weird sci-fi ish type thing that's not exactly sci-fi but yes. just weird um, and I have just kind of a more dramatic millennial man thing when are you going to let us read some of this shit dude I will let you read it <laughs> soon you don't have to let us you don't have to finish it I want to I want to help you edit as you go dude I want to read this shit okay well get something in working order you can send it to us to proofread yes. we promise we'll be fair but well, cruel and I have we'll, a, we're going to review it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do have a hang-up. I don't know. I feel like it's a common hang-up, though, is that, like, once you show somebody any artistic endeavor to get feedback from it, and once you get the feedback, it can kind of kill your motivation. So I, I've, I've been trying to make more hmm. progress. How so? Kind why? Of because, like, it, it feels like, even if you haven't released it into the world yet, it can feel like that subconsciously. So it can just kind of deaden your, uh, like, I, I just think in a lot of ways it's better to, like, get not 100%, but, like, really close to it. Um, or at least, like, a fucking big chunk of anything you're creating before you try to get feedback because you, you just don't want to kill your motivation. I, I guess at I least could, that, I guess at I least that, that works that, for me. That, yeah. work, that works for me anyways. It's like I, I still want to read it, though. I will. So I don't. I don't care about your. We could tell you nothing about it if that makes you feel less like you released it at all. Yeah, yeah. I just want to read it. If, if, like even if we don't give you any feedback, I just like to read it. I'll send. I'll send it to you. Do it. Yes. That's sick. Yeah. I. 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 Uh, Matt, have you ever tried writing like fiction at all? In like outside of like comics, like uh, or or poetry or anything? I wrote poetry in high school, but that was the last time, and it was very bad. I, I expect. I don't really remember much of it, but uh, that was it. 
I wrote short stories for uh, my every year for my uh, or semester rather. I wrote for uh, my like college literary journal called the Ampersand. Uh, yeah, nothing I would show anybody now, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then no, not for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I wrote. My outlet for writing was largely, uh, you know, shout out Pat Willems. <laughs> my, shout out Pat Willems, friend of the pod, friend of oh yeah, friend of the pod, YouTuber, and uh, friend of high school. Yes, <laughs> like actual literal friend. Yeah, yeah, literal high school friend. Now film Twitter and like YouTube film criticism realm. But uh, I wrote and acted in a bunch of sketches and shit for him. Uh, so there's just a lot of the kind of behind the scenes writing that I've done for him uh that's about the only other thing we're creative people on this podcast we're fucking creative here's my before we go to the next question here's my fucking nuclear scalding hot take that i am not taking questions about at this time or feedback okay writers make terrible critics period i next question I do want to say one more little anecdotal thing that I remembered about when I was in high school, we had a uh, exercise to write like kind of a like a a sequel to the Telltale Heart. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I have and... it in my collection of illustrated Poe mysteries. Oh, really? So you did that that, thing? I, that I cherish very much, and that I my grandmother gave me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I wrote something, and I remember my uh, my teacher reading it and then coming up to me was like this is really fucking awesome can i read it to the class and i was a really anxious teenager and i said oh no but i meant like no meaning yes and she looked at me like like afraid of me <laughs> like wow i just asked you a question and you just like denied me and uh it haunts me to this day i was like that would have been Not sick if she read my fucking story to the class so you wanted it to happen? Awesome. Well, she seems I like did. she reacted weird too. Yeah. Well, she said, she yeah, I think she did. But no, what she said was, "Would you mind if I read this to the class?" So I meant, "Oh no," like that. But mm. like probably like, "Oh no," because oh, I was see. an anxious teen. Yeah. So she got freaked out, and yeah, and now I'm not a writer full time. That was the first domino. David Foster yeah, that Paulus. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit okay um next question comes from uh Thelonious drunk books on instagram uh what are some other book podcasts that you guys listen to are there any dude fucking zero <laughs> <laughs> why would we li- why, why would we listen to the rest when we've already got the best baby yeah, yeah. baby <laughs> baby <laughs> no i don't listen to any other I, I i really like bookshore i like ben a lot who was yeah guest. there's a lot of book tube people that that i watch yeah but yeah. ben in particular i really like I don't really follow. I mean, I follow a lot, but I'll, I'm like waiting for Ben's uh, uploads every yeah. time. You got uh, the you have the notification bell turned on. Yeah, for Ben <laughs> in particular. But um, no, I I mean, in, in terms of podcasts, shout outs to S Town. <laughs> That's basically I, I've listened to that like five times. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't really I don't really listen to uh, podcasts that often. Matt, no. Yeah, I mean... Literary podcast? No. (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I will say, like, part of the reason we wanted to do this is because it seemed like a kind of gaping hole in the podcast world. Like, there's a lot of people who review books on YouTube. 
and stuff like that. But there, there, there just aren't that many of them as, as far as I can tell. Like, obviously, like some of the, you know, um, like newspapers and magazines have like a book or literature related, like, like podcasts and stuff, but they're mostly like author interviews and shit. Um, which is cool, but I personally don't really give a shit about because as I said, writers are terrible critics. And, um, so like what we do is not something that a lot of people really are doing in the podcast space. There are a couple that I like that I listen to occasionally. I I don't really listen to a ton of podcasts in general. Um, but hold on, I'm going to burp. Oh, that was disgusting. That was the <laughs> oh, God, worst. Dude. That was the most disgusting podcast. Uh, you can hear that that smelled. <laughs> you can oh. hear that that smelled. Dude. You're welcome. Um, but I, I just, I'll just i just shout out a couple. Uh, the How's the Water podcast. Uh, that's a, just like two, two people who talk about books. It's pretty good. Um, I listen to occasionally. I don't know if they're releasing new episodes anymore, but Feeling Bookish is a pretty good one. That I listen to sometimes. Um, uh, hardcore literature I listen to occasionally. I don't know that. I don't think they have any social media. That guy. I think he might have a YouTube channel. I forget his name. Um, ben Ben Mac, McAvoy or something like that. Uh, and then a new podcast that I want to shout out, just because I I happen to know a little bit one of the hosts, Super Chillers. Super Chillers is a new uh, literature podcast, and um, it's uh, two two folks discussing um, basically like tween and teen uh, horror novels from the eighties and nineties, and uh, mm. it's it's very funny and very interesting, and you should all go check out check it out. Uh, Super Chillers. I also I, uh, listen to um, Viva La Dude. Obviously, shout outs Viva La Dude, friends <laughs> of the pod. Not a literature pod. podcast, not literature, but, but friends but of the literate pod. men. Yeah, <laughs> literate dudes. Yeah, Dan has been on our podcast. Yep, and he's twice. Man. Um, so yeah, check them out. Oh, also, I've listened to a few episodes of. It's also a new podcast, but it's called Aeolian Broadcasting, and they do they do discussions of like poetry and kind of some obscure texts that are interesting. So check them out as well. Um, so yeah. Those those would be my recommendations. But again, I mean, and, and if there's anyone out there that that knows a bunch of literature podcasts that we're just missing and don't know, let us know. But I just I, I just don't think there are very many. I uh, I, I listen to as ours. Uh, I listen to tw- the fucking uh, logo Daedalus, the Twitter guy. Uh, I listened to his thing when it was part of Contbot's thing, but um, now he has a sh- show called Read Books PPF. Right. Uh, which is pretty solid, um, but he moved it uh, into its own Patreon for you know a fee. So I, I, I so uh, cash I, grab. <laughs> so like, just kidding. to be honest, like you I was li- I listened to like the first two, and then like he moved it behind a Patreon wall, and uh, so I I just haven't gotten around to paying to for, paying it. for <laughs> it. But what I heard was good, you know. But that's about it as far as like literature stuff. I was looking on the page. Aren't those the hits, those episodes are like fucking nine hours? What are they doing? Well, con, con bots are the the those can't all be happening at the same like the, it can't be one shot, right? No, they're I to be honest, I think they're really fucking great. Uh, but it's like yeah, these like seven hour a pop fucking historical sagas that go yeah. on. He's like they're like Dan Carlin. 
you know, kind of, okay. you know what I mean? Like really just tackling something in like stupid depth. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Shout outs. Uh, okay. Next question uh, from Thelonious Drunk Books on Instagram. Um, the most underrated literary or genre no, writers. God damn it. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got an easy answer. The easy, an- the easy answer for me is Simonon. Uh, oh, fucking true. Simonon, yeah. I think, is um, one of the... Uh, he's my favorite author, period. And I think one of the greatest and one of the most criminally overlooked writers of the 20th century uh, by a wide margin. Um, I think he is, you know, uh, classed as kind of like a pulp detective fiction writer which because of course a, a, a large chunk of his literary output were the my gray novels which shout outs to penguin for reprinting all of those recently that's a huge undertaking and a enormous service to the literary world um but he is to this day someone. not someone who's like taken seriously really in the pantheon of writers and i think i i think part of it is like a lot of people just look at like holy shit, this dude wrote fucking what, like 400 novels? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the the assumption, I think people, like, right, you know, people just like, well, they can't be good, right? Because nobody could yeah. possibly write that much work right. and have yeah. any of it be be of quality. You're but an amphetamine-addicted you, hack You're fucking you wrong. That. But you're yeah. fucking wrong, people who yeah. think that. <laughs> I was going to say that there has to be someone at Penguin who just fucking loves Simonon. I would love to know who that is, who's just, who pushed that, who pushed that forward? Just like, yeah, we're gonna reprint fucking all of them. I want, I want to know who that. Person <laughs> yeah, is. if you're out there listening to this, come on the show because you're an absolute yeah, legend. They have to be a fucking Simonon head. Percival Everett seems underrated, just in my yeah. Brief I was brush with say him. that. Yes. Although he has something yeah. out now that is like on the rack of like new popular releases at like a chain bookstore in my town. So like, I okay. mean, I get, maybe he's climbing. And also, Gray Wolf Press is. I don't know. It's it's like well known. I don't know what their like mission statement is or what it is they like if they have some sort of like criteria that's like specific, but the man's been writing for a long time. And from what I've read, which is yeah. the one book, yes. like deserves way more kudos. Yeah. Definitely. That that book that book that we read uh definitely, you know, Put, put him up there for me in terms of like someone I need to read more of and who seems like uh, shocked that I had never really heard of him before. Oh, I have Simonon, I can I can get behind as well just to pile on. Definitely Simonon and Pritchell Everett. Those are my top two, too. Yeah. But my, my next one would probably be Charles Dickens. I just don't think he gets enough credit for being the greatest <laughs> Chris, Christmas novelist of all time. And I think people should really... Look into him if you're trying to have a good time around Christmas. <laughs> yeah, the chimes we can't recommend enough. <laughs> yes, uh, we 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 we, uh, we cannot recommend our episode on it, but we can recommend the book. Itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I only read one of the short stories, and then Gabe got so drunk he ended the podcast prematurely. <laughs> He's just filled with Christmas cheer. Dude. I had so much Christmas cheer that evening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. Gabe so imbibed so much cheer that he just oh had to sort God. of cheerfully log off. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was yeah, so funny. that was really that was funny. That was so epic. Funny. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, 
Oh, I was going to say, uh, shout outs. Uh, you mentioned Percival Everett's new book, Matt. I think it's called The Trees. Yeah. Um, Travel Through Stories, which is an excellent YouTube channel who does book book stuff. Uh, he did a review recently of The Trees, and he said it was uh, uh, in the running for his favorite book of the year. So mm. seemingly we should read that some one. smart people are kind of coming around on, on Everett here as well, which is great. Okay, um, let's see. Next question. Uh, Laura on Instagram asks, who are our favorite women writers? Don't get canceled, boys. By saying what, a man? By saying a man. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. Or by saying, like, none. Oh, um, I mean, definitely not. I, yeah. I, I think I'll go ahead and, and jump on the, the most obvious choice for me, and it's been true now. Even though I've read her work slowly over my life, like uh, Wolf, I, I, like Wolf. I, I just can't like Wolf. Always just fucking like, I don't know. She, she might be one of my favorite writers of all time. Like, I, like I've read four of her novels. <laughs> That's it. But I'm just like every time it's just, uh, it's something I remember. So. Uh, I- I, I mean, feel that's like, maybe low-hanging fruit in some way. Well, but. I think it's not, because I, and I also think it dovetails with the last question, because I feel like Wolf, despite being so well-known and, 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 and whatever and taught in literature department, I feel like is still somehow also wildly underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree that there are people who have, like, insanely famous, but just kind of by, like, word of mouth and just reputation novels that are still just not in general read. I mean, it's again, it's that, it's that sort of, uh, the end of recognition, the recognitions Gaddis thing of like, you know, critically acclaimed and seldom read, right. Kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I have no problem saying that I, I, I had a tough time reading Wolf actually. Like her, she added to my, like, general anxiety but i i did think she was well like, that's good i think it is good it was like what she was kind of going for yeah it was, it, i mean that book was like a it was a weird like calm anxiety which is a obviously a very british position yeah <laughs> um i think keep calm and carry on is kind of like most of what her book sentiments <laughs> seem to be i think i i don't think i've ever read like Two, I, mean, I feel I feel bad saying this, but I don't think I've, I've ever read more than a one-off by any uh, female writer. Which I were there standouts about. though in the month? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say Gene Stafford, the Mountain. Oh, Lion. very fucking true. I mean, that was a five yes. bagger for all of us before the podcast started. And I would also say, Udressic. Uh, uh, yeah, you. What was it? Uh, Ugresic, yeah. Ugresic, yeah. yeah. The Museum of Unconditional Surrender. That was a fucking true, amazing true. book. Um, yeah. And I want to read more by both of those authors, but those they were fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I mean, actually, like probably my top three we've done, or maybe top five, like books on the whole podcast. Those those two books. Yeah, I, 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 I uh, embarrassingly have a similar problem in the sense that, like, I haven't. There are individual books by women authors that are some of my favorite books ever. The, the Mountain Lion is my favorite novel of all time, um, and uh, you know, there's a few other ones that, like, um, you know, The Waves, w- w- or not, yeah, 
not the what wait what did we read what wolf did we read i'm sorry mrs dalloway yeah. um you know but again i have this problem similarly to the like overrated question of like not feeling like i have a full sense of people's body of work you know what i mean um one person as i was thinking about this question that i read a bunch kind of randomly in high school and and in college whose work that I loved and need to revisit as, as an adult is Jeanette Winterson. Uh, I don't know if, um, you, you've read any of her work, uh, Matt or, or Paul or uh, no. anyone out there, but she, <clears throat> she's written a bunch of novels. Um, her first one is called or- oranges are not the only fruit. Um, and that's maybe her most famous one. Uh, I read that. I also read a collection of short stories by her called the world and other places. Um, and then there's a book called Lighthouse Keeping, which is about a, a lot of her books deal with kind of like, you know, mental illness and feminism and, you know, sort of some more explicit political stuff, but done again in kind of like a, a subtler way. Um, and I, I have very, very str- strong and fond memories of everything that I've read of hers. Uh, and she's someone and I think she just released a new book this year or maybe it's coming out next year. Um, and so she's someone that I, that I want to revisit, uh, you know, now. Yeah. I think the only other names I can, I can say, are uh, I don't know how to say her name. Marguerite Yersenar. Do you know who that is? I do not. She wrote memoirs of Hadrian and, uh, the abyss and a couple other novels. Um, and then, uh, I had, at this point now, like maybe five or six years ago, I read uh, uh, that Lucia Berlin short story collection, Lucia Berlin, I think mm-hmm. rather, uh, whatever, like memoirs of, uh, of cleaning women or uh, I forget what it's called. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I don't know if that's the exact title, but a manual for cleaning. Women. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, uh, but I guess, I guess to, to get, wow, Paul dropping, dropping bottles. Didn't even sounded... mute himself. Uh, I would say as far as like the goat, it still is basically wolf for me. Yeah. Did you hear that? I dropped. I dropped my beers. We did because because you didn't mute yourself when you left. Sorry. Uh, Dick- Dickinson Dickinson poems, obviously. Yes. Yes. Hit me hard. Uh, yeah. Well, we can maybe take this as a call to to do uh, some more some more uh, co- you know consciously do some more women writers for the show. Just to get a, a wider, yeah, I would, I would even love to just revisit some more wolf novels, you know, Matt, whatever ones you mm-hmm. haven't read, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Okay. Next question comes from Thelonious Drunk Books. Um, let's see, which one do I want to do here? Okay, we'll do the serious one first this time. Uh, this is, I think, one of the most interesting questions that we got. What sort of person do you expect will write the novel of our generation? Will they be an MFA graduate, some down-and-out struggling genius, a social media bookstagram or booktube influencer? Nope. What do you think? <laughs> who's who's what 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 sort of a writer is going to produce the I don't know, like the infinite jest of our generation, I guess, maybe. I mean, it's such a hard question to answer, right? Cause yeah, it's like, yeah. Who it's like asking who has the artistic sensibility to do something like that. It could be fucking anyone could be a lawyer that quits their job and just like i'm a fuck i didn't like being a lawyer like, yeah mm-hmm. i mean <clears throat> and because i'm a booktube 
influencer. I don't want to say it's not <laughs> that because I'm writing a novel right now. So uh, it might be you, Paul. Myself. Could be it me. Be you. I mean, my my general sense is that it could be, uh, yeah, it could be fucking anybody. I mean, I, I do think that the millennial generation generation does have <laughs> the ability within us to do that. I think there's enough soul and enough voice within us. Like I. I like being millennial. I think we are fucking cool. And well, you don't want to be lumped into millennial fiction, which we talked about with uh, no Foster, millennial you know? fiction. We read it. Yeah. yeah, it sucked balls. But um, <laughs> I mean, okay, it sucked balls. I think we might have to. <laughs> I'm a little lit. Um, nah, it wasn't. It was mediocre. As shit, yeah, it wasn't good. We didn't. <laughs> yeah. We didn't love it. Yeah, I did not like that. No, it, I mean, it didn't. It didn't. It might have felt good for the time, but I, I mean, to the, for the question of like something that has some longevity to it. I think a millennial writer is out there that can do that. I agree. Um, I think I'm like, excited about it. It's, it's an exciting prospect to me. I think just like generationally, I mean, I think there's, there's positives and negatives, like just generationally, I think the millennial slash like zoomer generation, or maybe specifically the millennial generation, like there's such a, such a breadth of like historical social experience that we've all been embedded in, at least in America and the West, right? Like we had 9-11, we had the Iraq war, we had the housing crisis. We now have coronavirus. Like we had internet. Yeah. The internet sort of was like, <laughs> the, like came up as we were kind of growing up and mat- maturing. And I think that like <laughs> these births I mean, are uh, these births yeah. are potent today. It's like listen, I'm I'm seeing like I'm like so I agree with Paul. I think there's I think there is like very very fertile ground there to be plowed by somebody. Yeah, I was like I'm I'm nine, I'm nine eight years old. Uh, I'm like hearing about how the president's getting his dick sucked, and then cut to. <laughs> A couple years later, I'm online. I'm on Rotten.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much there, right? And there's then so 9/11 happens, and I move, and then yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And then it's just Corona now. It's just like yeah. I think, and I, then I, and then I suck the president's dick. It's yeah, and then I suck the dick of the president. <laughs> I think the, my worry though, and this is this was a little bit to me borne out in reading Luster, Raven Leilani's Luster is that synthesizing all of those experiences into something cohesive and like, you know, uh, uh, you know, like, like, like that, that, that doesn't feel just kind of like scattershot with like, here's a bunch of cultural references and shit that, that I am familiar with. And here's a bunch of like traumatic experiences, all kind of like shotgunned against the wall, you know, which is a little bit what that book felt like to me. Um, that's hard, especially when there's so much shit to draw from, you know, that our generation has gone through. And I, I, I think that's going to be the challenge for whoever, whoever does it. And, and I mean, I, I'm assuming we're talking specifically about the the novel as an art form and not something different than that or like an elaboration on that. Right. So, like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, because like the the problem there is is information, right? Like, we talk about encapsulating or some somehow distilling something. First of all, it's like, is it the it, it 
are we are we saying that the only thing that would actually like fit the criterion of what we're talking about is uh is like uh, uh something that is uh encapsulating everything that's going on culturally but then like i think the issue is is about the sheer volume of information and synthesizing yeah. that stuff and it's like yeah you either get people who are writing contemporarily and they're like they you know they're just kind of like they don't have like the full story but they're still trying to kind of like uh evoke this overwhelming contemporary experience and it feels like just fucking buckshot at a wall well and and who, and, and you know who knows like maybe maybe it will be some kind of like mimetic you know like like a glitchy like very scattershot thing that comes mm. out of it and that becomes like the great work of this generation like who I'm, that's possible i just think that's going to that's that's also difficult yeah i just feel like it's going to be somebody who's like obsessively been doing it and is i i feel like it's like never been not kind of this case where it's like someone with probably some sort of privilege to be able to do so um who's been thinking about shit for a really long time, but is not, uh, I, I would say very pointedly is not like, not a bookstagram person, not a fucking influencer. Yeah. Not, not somebody with any kind of image. Yeah. That, that they're, that they've been cultivating beforehand, uh, specifically in the realm of like writing and books. Uh, that's that's basically yeah. all I can say as like a prediction is it's probably not going to come from the field of anyone self-consciously trying to do the thing because that's not really been the 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 case for anyone else worth their salt in my opinion it's still, before it's still it still could though I don't know it's just like it, it's a it question could of what, it could it I just could. don't think it, it will yeah okay I, yeah I get that I mean it just reminds me of like I mean it, it's weird that it hasn't happened yet to me because like. There's a lot of there's plenty of uh, millennial People writing all the time. Yeah, but there's also plenty of like millennial artists and other genres or whatever, like musical artists that I think are doing a fucking sick job. So it's it's kind of weird to me that like why isn't that translated to this medium of making and creating something? Making you know, writing. It's, it's like writing. Yeah, it's just like it's fucking weird that it hasn't happened yet. But I don't know. But I, I, I like I I do think that like uh <coughs> like Murakami the horrible author Murakami he <laughs> he was 30 years old and he he like owned a bar yeah and just like kind of was like I think I can write a novel and he did it and he like instantly kind of got recognized and it it took he quit his job he sold his business and it just kind of like it can just kind of happen that way too someone's just like Oh, I'm of this generation, and I kind of feel like I just can write, and I'm just mm -hmm. gonna do it. So it it can be just a wide range of 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 a person. Yeah, who's to say like what fucking uh, consciousness is gonna be able to uniquely create something that also then in the specific time and space uh, succeeds. Yeah. On all those levels. Yeah. My bet is Grimes. it's not it's not <laughs> Grimes. Grimes. Oh dude, it could be. <laughs> it's gonna be Billy Eilish. 
Oh God! Uh, but see, they already I'm, make I'm, music in which second Grimes. I'm actually not as down on the possibility of it being some kind of like social media person as Matt is. That seems Kanye. That seems like a live option to me, just based on the way people create and consume stuff now. Fair enough. Yeah. My bet is my bet is that it just won't it won't be. Um, yeah, but but it's not a yeah. dead option. That's for sure. Not in my view either. All right, next question. Uh, next question from Thelonious Drunk Books on Instagram. Gabe, what's the deal with the chest tattoo? Uh, he's asking about the tattoo I have on my chest, which if you've seen me in YouTube videos or Patreon videos, I have one. It's a large uh, buffalo head, uh, like like bison, uh, covers my whole chest, and uh, I got it. I basically got it because my mom's from Wyoming, and we went on a trip to Yellowstone National Park when I was younger, and uh, I saw a bunch of buffalo, and I thought they were fucking sick. <laughs> and so it's like a, a light homage to my mother, and also just buffalo are sick. It's also in a kind of like Japanese art style. I mean, it's like traditional tattoo style. I wouldn't say it's like fully Japanese, but y- yeah. Uh, That's my big. read. And it's large, yeah. It's very big. That's true. Yeah, uh, watch our YouTube videos and join the Patreon if you want to see some a, a brief glimpse of it. Yeah, Gabe has um, wardrobe malfunctions all the time where his whole shirt comes off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right yeah, now, Gabe's true. wearing a shirt that has the biggest hole of any shirt. The biggest rip. It's super of any big. Shirt. It's super big. It's like half the shirt's <laughs> falling off. Yeah. Um, it's he comfortable. looks like a zombie. It's yeah. comfortable, dude. <laughs> it's um, dying to be a crop top. Yeah, it basically is. Okay, um, Bookshore on Instagram, friend of the pod, oh. asks, what book would we want to see covered on BookTube? So I think this is interesting because it's interesting to think about kind of the way the hype train of books goes on internet book spaces. Yeah. Because you'll see randomly, like, in, in, a, in a week, like, ten different people post about the same, like, one book. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, it feels coordinated almost. Yeah, like like the news media or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if these people yeah. are all in conversation with one another. They're definitely not talking to us because we're the bad boys. <laughs> we are yeah. the bad boys. Um, we're grounded. <laughs> boys. We're an ISS we're, and we're grounded. Exactly. So um, I don't know. For me, it would be The Mountain Lion. That's my favorite novel. I think it's in, incredibly underread, and I wish more people would read it and talk about it. I'm happy to see Percival Everett getting some traction, though. I'll say that. Yeah, my answer was going to be Percival Everett, but if it's if it's if he's already taken off, I got to think of somebody different. I mean, the mountain lion would be sick. I mean, I would love the mountain lion to be taught in schools, honestly, like alongside uh, Catcher in the Rye. That's it should be, really. But in terms of booktube, I got to think about it. So, Matt, do you have an answer? I don't know. I would like to see older stuff. I guess maybe like I, I chose the confidence man. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, upcoming episode. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, pose another good example. Like I, I just feel like there, again, it's a case of like these people that who's, who are names who I feel like because their names already, uh, are like regarded as it's a done deal. 
right uh when the, when they have this like backlog of stuff that is like to be taken seriously and like i just feel like at least america too like we have a a literary history that is i think somewhat undervalued even like fucking twain or you know what i mean like emerson like these people have like uh emerson rules yeah and and it's like uh and I think Pynchon follows the continuity a slight bit too. Just like uh, these, yeah, I don't know, people who contribute to a, a conception of America and are well, super but important. P- Pynchon is like hot shit on, on BookTube already. He is. Yeah, I so, guess I don't mean yeah. that he's the one that should be covered, but uh, yeah, Amer- I, I would say patriotically, kind of like old American writers like I, Emerson. Yeah, I and like Melville. that. I like that. I feel like uh, I, yeah. American literature is still. This is gonna sound like very stupid and patriotic, but like among the the like booktube elite, you know, a, a lot of American literature is is kind of I don't want to say looked down on, but I do think that there's there's a lot more work to be done with people like Twain and Melville and and stuff like that that has not been done yet. Yeah. I think I'm just going to like, I've been thinking about it. I think I'm just going to double down on Percival Everett. I feel like his entire, I've only read the one book, but I feel like he needs to be explored fully by booktube. I did want to say, because Ben uh, asked his question, Ben is like a collector of, of like kind of expensive and rare books, but he, he's fucking, he, he, bu- I forget the book he bought recently, but it's like a, he called it like the Don Quixote of like, ah, f- some Middle Eastern country, I think. I can't remember, but he hmm. he bought it for like a big sum of money. But he he wants to um, basically release it for people. Like he wants to photograph um, or like photocopy like all the pages. And I think that's fucking sick, Ben. Yeah, there's yeah. a project that, that is worthwhile. By. That is worth doing yeah. for sure. Piracy ben, and archiving is so good. Do it. This uh, this, yeah. I'm, well, I'm just, Ben's whole like philosophy is like read read these like rare books because yeah. they should be read which i think yes. i totally agree with and that's true like to 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 revisit that earlier point like if if a book is rare and like the and just like not reprinted and the only way to get it and read it is by buying a rare expensive copy like right or signing I, into a I, sort I would of probably academic, do that but yeah. But, yeah but i do think that the, those things should be made more available and any um any effort to do that is is laudable well, especially if a book is like highly regarded in one isolated country by like all the people of that country, and then we're like the rest of the world isn't able to read it because it's so expensive. It's like, yeah, fucking get it out there. Yes, so. this I'm I'm just gonna say it. I don't know if this is a uh, spicy, and no one asked this question, but I'm going on record that this podcast is pro piracy. Oh, I've I've been saying that, man. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I am morally against piracy, actually. Oh, I have bad morals in general, cringe. but yeah, I don't like talk. I don't like it. <laughs> I am pro don't uh, steal cheating artists out of their work and making them go poor. Yeah, mm. no, yeah, that's, maybe, that's what yeah. I mean no, when I'm I say not. that. That's not what I mean. It's more complicated, Paul. Next question. <laughs> um, this is a great question uh, from Thelonious Drunk Books on Instagram. I, <laughs> what? What are your personal most Chad and dumb dumb moments related to literature? I have uh, a I've got a good answer for my most dumb dumb moment. 
Paul already knows what it is. Yeah, and I do too. <laughs> Paul, Paul already knows the, my most dumb dumb moment related to literature. I was talking. Lay it on. I was talking to Paul. Oh yeah, I, I totally do. On a uh, AOL Instant <laughs> Messenger uh, uh, chat yeah. back in the day, and we were talking about. I think we were talking about Lord of the Rings or something, or The Hobbit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like as Paul yep. does, as yes. Paul is as Paul is want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in a um, phase of my life, a uh, an embarrassingly an embarrassingly long phase, where I was just, just kind of like a flat out dick. Uh, just kind of thought I was uh, smartest guy in the room, know everything, like typical, you know, white sixteen year old. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very I, different now. Thank you, Matt. And <laughs> <laughs> and I um for whatever reason I had this take. That I, I can't even remember my own logic. We, Paul was extolling the virtues of The Hobbit to me, or The Lord of the Rings to me. Like this book, yeah, rules, it was just like Tom so Bombadil's good. sick. Have yeah. you, have you ever thought about Tom Bombadil? <laughs> uh. <And laughs> Paul was just very wholesomely talking about how awesome Lord of the Rings is, and I, I said, uh, this is pretty close to verbatim. I was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I only, I only read books that could actually happen in real life. <laughs> Uh, how much reddit gold would you get for that statement do you think (laughs) oh my god and uh uh, we still make fun of you to this that's brutal i feel like that's what my dad still thinks Well, but it wasn't even, you, it wasn't even like a principled, like I only read nonfiction. It right. was even more dumb, like dumb than that. It was like, I read fiction, but only, but only if it could happen in real life. <laughs> God, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even like, this is just made up. No. It's like, no. Uh, it was more stupid. So that's like my, definitely my dumb, dumb moment. And uh, also one of my worst takes ever in general. I think I remember just being like, what? Like, <laughs> are, are you, what? I don't I don't get it at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyone else have a dumb dumb moment or a Chad moment? You know, like uh, I don't know a book. Do you? I, I've I've got a lot of dumb dumb moments. I lied about yeah. reading. I lied about reading Infinite Jest like ten times throughout college. Yeah, it's I, it, there's way more dumb dumb then like Chad is hard to, I guess, I I guess I would say my Chad moment is admitting to that about infinite jest and reading it at 33. Yeah. That's Chad. I think, I think for all of us, probably Chad is like, uh, being like, okay. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Like it's time to actually put in the work or like humility. Humility is Chad. Yeah. Dumb, dumb is the same. It's like, I'm just like, no, I understand. No, I did read it. Yeah, just lying, just you know, uh, yeah. maybe maybe you know, in my hyper emotional teen years, being like, yeah, if you're uh, my favorite authors, were all depressed. Yeah, and that was that was yeah, like that was good. like the most coolest correct view. If you're smart, then you're sad. <laughs> that's you a good die. one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah for me, I, like I never really ever claimed to be a part of like the book life. Really, like I, I, I that was never a part of my identity in college. I never really like had. I never really was in a circle or felt the need to like concoct some sort of infinite jest lie. So I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I have any, I mean, I'm like a dumb, dumb in general in every podcast. So that, you know, 
that can tra- that can be my dumb dumb moment. Is just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you're salty. No, dude, yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm I, nor- I, I think you're the normal I, baseball loving, normal guy on the podcast. You know, I think your Chad moment is just sticking to your Murakami guns so hard, dude. I love it. Yeah, dude. I fucking I, I'm not I'm not a uh, backtracking. I've al- I've almost even doubled down. I, <laughs> yes, I he's a great writer. <laughs> That's fucking yeah. Chad. That's Chad. And I, I, I think people that like him like him for the wrong reasons. So controversial. <laughs> That's good, man. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh not getting just not just being a leaf blown within the winds of like popular sentiment <laughs> about <laughs> literature is is pretty Chad to just be solid. Yeah. But not not to be not to have the blinkers on or to be stubborn for dumb reasons. You're right. Yes. No, I think yeah. I think I, um, not to psychoanalyze myself too much, but I think I have a good ability to, like, come around on points and books, and when you guys, like, tell me shit, uh, I can agree with you or whatever. Like, uh, for instance, Matt, well, I mean, I can't even remember anymore because I don't hate it anymore, but the book <laughs> that we read before the podcast, mm-hmm. the younger book. Humesville. Yeah. Humesville. That was notoriously, I thought it was the worst book I've ever read. <laughs> but I think if I read that book right now, I'd be like, "This book is sick." So <laughs> I, I have awesome. the ability to change, which is Chad. That's, I mean, and that's a huge change too, by the way. Yeah. You know? So and women a huge out there. Chad move. So all the yes. women listening right now, I mean, I'm moldable. <laughs> you can fix him. <laughs> I'm a fixable. Yeah. 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 Oh, he can enjoy the Nazi um, if he wants mm. to. <laughs> No, 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 no. Got you. No. Got oh, you. Shit, you did get me. No, uh, I love Younger too, dude. I'm sorry. Well, we're, we're going to be reading. <laughs> well, I'm one excited about your out. next pick, actually, Matt. You picked another Younger book. Yep. I'm excited. Yeah, about I think it's very interesting. I'm um, very... <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, ne- next question uh, is uh, from Thelony Strunk Books on Instagram, and he asks, "I'm going to have to uh, massage the language a little bit here to avoid calling out some people by name." Sure. Um, but he asks, "What are your opinions?" I'm just going to rephrase the question a little bit. What What are your opinions on the uh, Bookstagram circle jerk? Um, specifically, talking about some you know independent kind of publishers and the way like books get hyped and they come out. Are they the the sort of monstrous rat king that makes the case for <laughs> le- for leaving literary writing to professionals and academics? So this is a spicy question here. No, dude, you can't let that shit just like ruin, ruin your appreciation or, or I don't know, right? Your like uh, hopefulness for independent, right. published shit. Yes, like I agree. obviously that's the tendency I'm... that it may and probably will take. Because you, well, like, I, I tend to think when you're dealing with people like this, you're dealing with you're dealing with egos. Um, for sure that are huge um i don't know so i i I wouldn't i wouldn't let this kind of like fucking storm in a teacup (laughs) yeah color your whole opinion of the whole you know all the ways in which that endeavor can manifest yeah that's basically my take too like i'm 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 definitely pro independent writers independent publishers and all that stuff i think it's a it's a, a important and valuable avenue for you know stuff that for whatever reason can't get published elsewhere now uh 
of course, in some cases, the reason that it can't get published elsewhere is because it's bad. Um, and, and uh, you know, I can't speak specifically to the, any, any specific book or, or publisher or anything like that. Um, you know the biggest circle jerk I ever saw in my life? Tell me. In the early 2000s? Does anyone remember the alt poetry scene? I've, I've railed against it before. I remember you talking about it before, but it's not something that I really was like involved in reading or anything. Well, I, I you know, the, the, the sort of uh, Steve Rogan book and co, I knew some people in, involved in it. Yeah. Uh, personally. Um, that to me, uh, image macros with references to the fact that people are on the internet now as profound commentary was a circle jerk. It was all obviously in Brooklyn. No no surprise there. Uh and it and it just it had to have been one of the most insufferable things that I've seen. And I, I feel like it's it's obvious when it is that. I mean it right. can still gain momentum based on the mutual aid that all the people are rendering each other in their already probably fairly privileged and connected lives. But uh but um I mean, I, I guess I'm just trying to say that I, I sympathize with, like, what? The fear of that it, it, occurring again, because it is rough. It's also, you know, I would also say, like, this is not a um, this is not a unique issue to, like, indie publishing or anything. Like, any no. kind of, like, underground indie, you know, release of any type of art, whether it's visual art, comics, music, literature, anything, is going to be, you know, to some degree... Um, populated with the those sorts of people, right? Who are circle jerky and like this is good because it's it's underground or be, like you know, and and uh, but on the other hand, of course, right? Like I'm I don't know a shit ton about the publishing industry, Matt. You probably know more about it than I do. It seems like a hellscape. Uh, just in terms of like the process, it's all of very, it's all super insular, dude. and like all, all of that. So I, I totally um, think there's plenty of room to be critical of the publishing industry and supportive of small presses, independent presses, independent writers, and all that stuff, while also not falling into the just like you know hipster circle jerk. Yeah, and I think small presses are even a step above what I was just discussing. Like those are those are people who are like, right, 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 printing their own self-financed chapbooks in Kinkos. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's almost it's like a different echelon. But um, what was the f- like crux of the question? Like, is that just 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 basically what do we make of the what 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 do we make of like the bookstagram kind of circle jerk hype train culture? And I think it's, something, it's just something to be, it. it's just, it is real and it's something to be cautious of, but it's not the enemy. Yes. No, it's not the enemy because, yeah, I don't think it's the enemy because, like, there's still, it's still a positive thing, I think, to talk about underrated or lesser known, whatever. So even in, like, a, in, like, a, a circle jerk of music, like, people revering, revering certain uh, artists in a small circle, their criticism could be warranted still you just i think you just have to like pick and choose and like with this this is a bad seed they're talking about it in right in ways that are just like kind of ugly or something but like 
keep your wits about <laughs> yeah. you. Read a lot. Know what you keep like. Know why you, yeah. you like it, and therefore you're critically honed to, you know, separate chaff from whatever. Yeah, it's it's like, it's it's like a critical perspective support, thing. Critical support, right? Yeah, it's a per- yeah. it's like a it's like a perspective thing because like even on the flip side of it is like, you guys were talking about Virginia Woolf before, like if, if she maybe what if she never got recognized, and she was only in small circles. Like, do you think about her work differently? Or Melville, who... Because she wasn't right. famous. It's like, no, you have to have your own fucking idea of what is good and what is bad. And, and, and like, you have to try at least to, like, devalue yeah. the populist opinion of any work of art or fiction or whatever. You have to, like, judge it for yourself, which is maybe impossible, but it, no. you have to at least try it. T- it just takes work, you know? It just takes yeah. work. It takes work, Yeah. And I think, like, you know, just to to circle back again to one of the earlier questions, like, I think when we're thinking about, like, where is the the novel of our generation going to come from, I don't know. But, like, I'm broadly in favor of keeping as many avenues open for that novel to find air as possible. And I think that the Instagram, Bookstagram, you know, independent stuff is one of those one of those fucking uh, portals that, that 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 novel might fall through. Yeah, and and I would say be able to differentiate between just like gatekeepers and um, critics, or I don't know, like like uh, people who actually like are serious about it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. That's I a really important distinction. Yeah. Because when so. it becomes when it becomes a. Uh, when it becomes a social thing more than a critical thing, like you say, Matt, mm-hmm. I think that's where, which I think you're describing a little bit with respect to the, that, that poetry stuff you were talking about earlier, which I don't really know yeah. anything about when it becomes like social and like who's in, who's yes. out, who's hot, who's cold, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who's in this reading group, who's in that <laughs> reading group. Yeah. Like who's being interviewed by who and all that shit. And, and the actual whole fucking reason you're there in the first place takes a backseat, that's when shit starts to go sideways. Yeah. Yeah. You lose you lose focus. It's it's de- the thing that's important is completely de-emphasized. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, next question. Uh, let's see. From uh, Thelonious Drunk Books. This is a, an interesting one, too, and I don't know what you guys have to say about it, but um, are there... Basically, he's asking, what are our opinions on, like, the current climate and culture of the big literary awards? Are they worth paying attention to? Are they something that are valuable? So he he's, you know, Nobel, the Booker Prize, Pulitzer, etc. Um, and this is relevant because, of course, recently the Nobel Prize was just right. announced. Uh, Abdul Razak Gurnah won that. Uh, and the Booker Prize 2021 was just announced recently for Damon Galgut's The Promise. Um, what do we, you know, is this something we pay, you guys pay attention to? Do you think it's valuable? What's, what's, what's your current like temperature taking on literary award culture? I don't pay attention to any awards at all, but that does not mean I don't think that they, uh, hold like uh, reverence in society. Like it, no matter what, it, it's going to it's going to affect something about our culture, right? Right. So even if a fucking, like, horrible movie wins Best Picture, it's like, or, or like a 
a scientist wins the Nobel Prize and they shouldn't or something or it's like what it's gonna it's gonna affect something. If so That's what would only- what would a scientist win like if 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 maybe if they invented a way to like make poop stinkier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa! What? <laughs> yeah, it's like I'd, make I'd... a leather jacket more sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Just totally superfluous. Yeah, but yeah, I don't Still know. I don't really awesome. I've, yeah, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't follow any awards of, across anything, uh, and I don't. I don't like look at someone if I ever come across anything that ha- won an award. I'm not going to be like, "Ooh, this is probably good." So, I mean, that's just my general perspective. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it it always it always aids toward towards the, uh, or it, it aims towards the populace. Which I kind of shy away shy away from, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 with Paul. I I can't say that I've ever seriously followed the big award winning stuff. I mean, I, I've occasionally fallen victim to like being intrigued merely by the blurb on the front of something that's like. My my favorite thing, the thing that always gets me is not awards like the Prix Goncourt or the you know whatever, um, Man Booker or any of that stuff. It's like <laughs> what the one that I embarrassingly find intriguing the most is the uh, New York Times Notable Hundred Notable Books of the Year. Mm. I don't know why that one. I'm always like, ah, let me just flip through it. I don't know why right. that one gets me every time. Well, maybe, maybe because, because it's like more. Yeah, it's more like humble for some reason. It's yeah. just like Yeah. Uh but even that, you know, it's like um no, I I no, I I don't I don't care, but I don't care to the degree that I also don't know whether or not the things should be abolished or take or or done away with. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as as both of you really. It's like it's not something that I follow closely at all. Um I, you know, if I see an article pop up or someone talking about it or whatever, like I'll click and just like skim the list of the books, you know what I mean? But it's to me, it's it's, it's like a resource, you know what I mean? Like one of the, you know, it's it's not it's not definitive. I don't I don't I do not trust that anything on there is going to be something that I like or I'm going to think is good or anything. But it's yeah. a resource. It's going to be, you know, I mean, one of the things that the Nobel Prize in literature has been kind of uh, trashed for a little bit in recent years is that it picks it's, it's been awarded to people who are like c- comparatively obscure, right? Uh, like the, 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 the guy that won this year, Abdul Razak Gurna, who's like, um, I don't, where, I forget where he's from. Um, Tanz- Tanzania, um, you know, not a particularly well-known author, certainly among the public and even among people who consider themselves kind of like in the literature world, you know, and then people are screaming like, oh, Pynchon should have won or Cormac McCarthy should have won or whoever, right? These people right. That, that have been, you know, theoretically on the list for years and have never won. That's fine. But, uh, you know, I do see part of the purpose of these. Let me put it this way. If you think these awards are are or should be awarded purely on like like merit alone, whatever that means, 
I think you're misreading the situation. Part of these awards at this point in their history is to, you know, bring to prominence sometimes people who are currently not as prominent as maybe they should be. Yeah. No one needs to be told to win pension or to read pension. Like what, what is it, what does it add to pension's career at this point to win the Nobel prize in literature? Honestly, uh, in my mind, nothing like the award is, is what it is, right? It's not some, you know, no one need no one needs to be told by the Nobel committee, hey, you should read Thomas Pynchon. We do need to be told, hey, read this person who's been producing quality work for 10 years in Africa that no one's ever heard of. So I do think yeah. that's a valuable service. Um, yeah. I'm not, I, I, you know, I think people who are like, you know, butthurt that like, well, this guy's not better than Pynchon and the best writer should win every year. It, it's, it's, that's kind of a ridiculous view in my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, there could just be something else to kind of bring writers like that to light. Like, I, I agree with sure, I agree with what sure. I agree with what you're saying. It's just like uh, you know, even when you talk about people who you're like almost when, once you start to get into what I think is already just the niche realm of like literary criticism online, and like you know, fucking r slash lit, like, you know, lit and all this kind of bullshit. It's like, obviously you're going to be, if you're like frequenting that stuff, you're going to be sick to death of hearing about Gaddis and Pynchon and these people. I am currently. Yes. And I, and I fucking agree. The thing is still people don't read the stuff still. You know what I mean? Like that's the, you know, impression I get anyway is like it's still just talked up. It's still kind of like the end joke of the recognitions, right? But 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 I guess it, it, it it's not obvious to me that awarding Pynchon a Nobel Prize would increase his, his readership. No, if, it probably if that's would what not. if that's what you're getting at, like no, I just I think it's just funny, like degrees of obscurity. And like how right. even word of mouth in no, and like we've been saying, like I was saying with Melville or Emerson or these, again, people that everyone half educated or not even could like maybe muster up a memory of the name of. It's like, are they, in, you know, is that their legacy? Just that they are mentioned as a, as a sort of name drop. And no one actually still even engages with their work, right. let alone the people who don't even have a name to be spoken of. Right. You know, so I don't know. It's just like a funny dilemma to me. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know. I just think the view that like it's it's this objective measure, it, you know, it's it, it just feels very objective, whiny to me. Right. That, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, objective. It just feels very whiny. Like, well. It should it should go to the best living writer every year, and so until you give it to McCarthy and Pynchon and whoever the fuck else, then you can't give it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. That's that, that just feels like a goofy view to me. And yeah. you know the other thing that I'll say, just like speaking about of, about quality, I mean, you know, I, what I will say, and to go back to your New York Times point, Matt, I I thought it was kind of an interesting, uh, just like very quick experiment that we did a few weeks back, where you know we read. Uh, like Paul mentioned, Mohsen Hamid's Exit West, which was like a New York Times top 10 book yeah. of the year for the year it was released. And then we also read David Diop's At Night All Blood is Black, which won the 
2021 International Booker Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, for for whatever it's worth, and, you know, N of one and an experiment, right? <laughs> yeah. That David Diop book I thought was really fucking good. And yeah, it was has awesome. has actually kind of not to like give away anything if we if we do some kind of re ratings or think about stuff uh, for year end episode, but that book has stuck with me. I find myself thinking about that book a lot in in ways that I was not expecting even in, immediately after having finished Reddit, mm-hmm. um, finishing Reddit, and so you know whatever like you can say you can critique the methodology or critique whatever, but at the end of the day, the people who are Maybe this is naive, but I have some faith that the people who are handing out these prizes have some sense of good literature. And, yeah. you know, not saying I trust all of their taste or that they're going to pick the best fucking book every time or the best 10 that they're nominating or whatever. But it's smart people thinking seriously about good recent books. That's valuable to me. And I don't yeah, I don't valuable. put more I don't put more stock in it than that. But that in and of itself is valuable. Yeah. I think it, I mean, to me, it's just like it, it, it comes down to like the weird political, not political, but like the social aspect of the whole award system is just it gets twisted quickly, doesn't it? Just by the whole like, just by how it is. But if, if there was Definitely. an award system that was just like wholesome as shit and was like <laughs> David Diop's book should be read. So we're giving it an award, which I, I hope to think that that was like the motivation for that award. Then yeah, I mean we would maybe we wouldn't have read that book if we didn't hear about it because of because it won that award. You know? I, I'm sure we would not have actually. Yeah, I'm sure we. Yeah, um, yeah. good point. But it'd be cool also if like <clears throat> the Booker Prize would just be like Pension's not going to win because he doesn't need to win. You know, just, you know. Yeah. But you know, the man needs no introduction. That's not going to happen. <laughs> just, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's like yeah, an honorary I, award, but he doesn't really deserve it because. Here's this new artist that we sh- we think you should read. Yes, like, and I, that's I just, the way it should work. I, I'm all for additional transparency in the process and and that kind of thing. I just think it's so funny when people are like, "These awards don't matter; they're so stupid," and then they get so pissed when the person they want to win doesn't win. It's like, well, which yeah, is yeah. it? Does it matter or not? You yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's a sign of a bad personality, and I'm not going to be friends with that. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> And I just want to emphasize, like, I think the issue at hand these days with information is, is again, uh, curatorial and archival and right. and uh, gatekeepers in the, in the, you know, pejorative sense are, are to be looked out for and shunned and destroyed. Yes. All, muse- all museums should be destroyed. <laughs> Sometimes. I've worked, I've worked hot, in one and I've dealt... I've dealt with curators and they're fucking losers and I, I hate them. <laughs> yeah, we got we need a purging and a re re infusion of of good curatorial talent and archival talent. Um, yeah. I, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I I guess I just think like there's no there's 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 no good system for doing anything like this, right? Like I think <laughs> yeah. we can all agree that like you know, elite fucking goofy gatekeepers is a bad way to do it but everyone would be equally mad if they just gave the booker prize to whatever book would sold the most copies that year 
Right. It's it's it, it just comes down to like everyone when it when it comes to these sorts of things, it seems to me that everyone uh thinks the Nobel Prize committee should be a committee of one and it should be themselves. And that's it. And it's <laughs> right. and I just think it's like, okay, well Army that's not one. that's not very helpful. You know what I mean? Army of one circle jerk, but yeah, all jerking each other's penises. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a Roboros of your own a, wiener or a rat king of wieners. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. We're down <laughs> to our last, uh, four questions here, guys. Oh, let's fucking oh, go. dude. All right. Let's so, um, we're this closing is, in on uh, three hours. So we are closing it on three hours. So that's yeah. do these like lightning that's... round. Let's go. No, I'm not in a rush, no, baby. No, I'm not in a rush, <laughs> that's a good thing. All right. I well, I'm going to go piss. I want to break. All right. Well, wait, let, okay. okay. So I'll wait to read the question until you get back and me and Paul. No, lay it on me and then I'll go. All right. So the question is, um, would you ever consider doing episodes on poetry, ancient Greek or Roman texts, or religious texts? Is the question. Yes. Bye. Uh, okay, yes. <laughs> Matt just says straight up yes. Yeah. Um, my, well, um, my answer is also yes. And just a little preview we are doing an episode on poetry uh, in a couple weeks. And um, I confess to being very nervous about it because I don't know mm. fuck all about poetry. Or how do we evaluate it? And so I'm a little worried that we're all just going to be sitting here drooling all over ourselves. Yeah, it's going to be like a 30 minute long episode. We're like, this. I thought this was nice. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm worried about it too. Actually, I haven't really thought about it until just now, and I'm like, fuck, we could, we, we'll just all get drunk. Yeah. Fun. Well, that's yeah. not that's not new. That's, yeah, that's not standard new. operating. That's SOP. That's standard operating procedure. I mean, I mean uh, to answer further for me is like uh, we I I would do a, a religious thing. I mean, it seems fucking interesting and fun. Um, it'd be kind of an undertaking maybe because we try to read books that are less than three hundred pages, and most right. religious texts are like long as shit and complicated. But I wonder um, even if like uh, I wonder even if we read like uh, you know. Like one of the gospels. I don't know how long the gospels are in the Bible, you know. But like, what if we were like, just like twenty pages or something? I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, too. Me but either. like, what it? You know, what if we read one of it? You know, that that might be interesting. Well, we could talk about Jordan Peterson. That would probably come up. He he has unfortunately taken on the status of religious text for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, but I mean, th- this wasn't mentioned in that question, but we're planning on doing some philosophy readings. Yeah, and not we for were... the show, but as a group read on Discord. So subscribe to the Patreon if you want to do that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know if that would be that would translate well to a podcast episode. I feel like it would be a lot of just like, I don't know. I feel like yeah. it would be as entertaining, but we. I, we're all interested in that. I mean, Gabe obviously is a professor in philosophy, but I'm Matt and I are both. I'm not a professor in philosophy. of philosophy. I, I just have a ba- I have a background in philosophy. Okay. Education. Yeah, what have you covered? <laughs> uh, well, we we were we, we we basically just said yes. We, we you know we previewed that we are actually doing an episode on poetry coming up, and that we are uh, a little nervous about it. Um. Because, you know, speaking personally, like, you know, I feel like I can appreciate poetry, but when it comes to the analysis of it, I don't know fucking shit about meter. I don't know anything about, like, you know, different, like, rhyme schemes or I I don't know any of the, like, technical details 
yeah. about how poetry is supposed to work or, or, or how certain poetry can be written. And I know that there are a lot of those technical details. And so I worry when I read poetry, I'm like, I'm, I think, you know, it, I can analyze it similarly to most novels and other fiction in terms of themes and, and you know, imagery that comes up repeatedly and stuff like that. But I know that there's a lot of other stuff, specifically with poetry, uh, under the water in that iceberg, as it were. And Gabe, I, you're trained in this, and I th- I'm sure you've mentioned this as well, but like with philosophy, although Gabe has more of the prerequisite background, like Paul and I, we'd have to do some of the similar, not, not that it's completely similar, but we'd, we'd have to like familiarize ourselves in a way similar to the poetry thing where there's like modes of argument and terminology and jargon and like uh, 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 intellectual history there that we would like Paul and I would have to fucking do a crash course. Whereas, you know, Gabe has, uh, has spent a a, a solid decade, like, you know, kind of like connecting the dots on. And, and, and I think that really just sort of sums up the overall thing is like, Yes, of course. Uh, very interested, in, and I engage in, in that stuff in my spare time. Um, yeah. Well, we also do it, like, um, on Zoom. Like, that was kind of what we did before the podcast, too, is just, like, Zooming about philosophical ideals. Yeah. I mean, recently, Gabe and I, uh, after a podcast, I was really drunk and talked about how I've, I've been buying into nihilism, and that was really fun. Um. What was yeah. the uh, what was the uh, trajectory of that though? Because I can't. I, I I would say don't do it. I'm assuming Gabe was also like don't do it, or did he say something different? No, no. <laughs> it was it was really fun actually because I was just like, you know, I was I've been watching a lot of nihilism nihilism videos. I haven't read I haven't been reading any, but I want to, and I was just like reiterating all these points that I still kind of believe in that I can't really wrap my head around off of, just like. You know, mm. the classic ones of just like the meaninglessness of life and relationships and mm-hmm. we're all fucking de- all that shit. And Gabe was kind of just like, yeah, I, uh, I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> and I, but he was like, but you can do this and this and think about this. Yeah. And uh, it was it was fun to, to talk about, but also just kind of like, you know, I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't make the leap out of that. And I still haven't. It's it's just a little more specialized and a little more like vulnerable in a way as well, I think. Like for however uh I guess kind of like nervous we would be to try and like do these books justice tackle something and talk like about that and yeah. tackle them to then like go for like the stuff I, I don't know. Yeah, they they're also incredibly different forms of writing you know uh it it'd be it'd be cool though it'd, it'd be kind of like the same realm i'd of almost like i'd no sooner tackle philosophy this. than poetry almost in the sense of difficulty. yeah yeah actually i, th- I feel the same i think poetry uh, yeah, is kind of yeah. like this or art almost like in terms of writing that precedes all of the stuff we've been discussing well, so uh, I, I, well yeah go ahead paul well with with philosophy a discussion of philosophy we have gabe as the backbone of like what am I saying? Does this make sense? You know, Gabe, Gabe can has such a good general knowledge of philosophy that it, w- it would be like 
you know, we could we could always be bouncing off of him a little bit, I guess. Well, but the thing with poetry, we're all fucking like naive <laughs> idiots. Absolute dumb <laughs> I think Which that will be fun. Actually, it is going to be interesting, you know. And I I uh, I am going to try to do a little bit of research before we do that episode, just so I you know yeah whatever. But I mean, you know, in terms of the so so yes, we're going to do an episode on poetry. I personally would be totally down. To do some like old Greek plays, like some Sophocles or yeah, Aeschylus or whatever, like I'd be super down to do that. It's but, funny because that's like high school shit, in a way. Yeah, yes, right? it is. But I, I suspect there's uh, significantly more there than we got in yeah. high school. <laughs> I would say, yeah. Um, the but the religious text one is the one that is a little bit tricky to me because, like you're talking about, I feel like there's obviously there are certain religious texts that can be read. As works of literature, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Like when you know, we me, you were going pee, but me and Paul were talking about like, what, like, what if we just read like one of the Gospels, right? Obviously, we can't read the whole Bible or anything like that. Um, well, we could. It'd just be a priority, and it would be completely different from how yeah, we organize yeah. the show, and it would or, just be like, yeah, or or like you know, there's there's like, um, you know, there's like a old like Sanskrit religious, like the Mahabharata and all those things can be read as literature and, and all that stuff. It, 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 it would just be a big, um, shift. I think, uh, I'm open yeah, though. I mean, I'm open to it. Yeah. It would have to be done in chunks maybe, or yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know why it has this weight to it, but I, I think it's just well, because it's like the foundational shit, it, you know? Yeah, there's a there's a, a huge like emotional field around this and and how it's discussed, and uh, yeah, I guess maybe that's the the thing. I think it's part of it, and I don't know. Speak, speaking personally, I you know, I would have a I would have a hard time drawing that um, like mental line as a reader between yeah. a work of like religious. You know, like devotional materials as a work of like literature versus like philosophically evaluating the claims that are being made, right? Like that would be that for me personally, that would be a hard fucking uh, like line to keep unblurred, if that makes sense. It's funny because well, I was yeah. thinking. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was gonna say like even like when I, when I imagine reading the Bible, even I I would probably even think of more of a uh like a social and fictional context actually <laughs> maybe you know what i mean like it, like in terms of who who could be writing this for yeah. what time period like well re- just, reading the bible as literature is a, is a very like um legit and like scholarly 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 is that that's not a word scholarly no, I know, but I was gonna like scholar esque. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, okay, so here's why it's confusing. This is why language is bad. I was gonna say scholarly supported, but that's not that's not right. It would have to be like scholarly supported or something. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, a legitimate uh, uh, realm of study. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And it's not. It's not like it's uh, something. I, the Bible in, in particular is not something that's like uh, alien, right, to literary analysis, obviously, because no, you have people like Bloom, I think, uh, was deeply engaged with it. And uh, I think Northrop Fry famously 
as well um saw it as kind of like uh the key to like the narrative mentality uh of of you know i don't know all christendom and therefore all stories made of people who could even claim anything to do with having historically come from that tradition you know so it's like you know the, the, there's a way in which these are like the or texts for most fictional right traditions now um so i get i get the interest and like uh yeah i don't know i was just a little nerve-wracking that's all yeah i, I would be <laughs> totally open to doing it personally 100 percent. yeah yeah um, I think we should start. We should start with a little, maybe a, a Greek play or two, maybe oh, a poem, yeah. and then uh, we're doing poetry already, baby. In a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Next question. <laughs> uh, Pissbrain 1080p on Instagram. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I love this guy. Yeah, yeah. This guy this is person. A, I don't know. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Uh, Pissbrain asks, <laughs> tells us we suck. And <laughs> yeah, <like laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then, yeah. Never mind. I won't, I won't go on. But Pissbrain asks, uh, are we going to do um, Among Us playing sessions with patrons? Why not? I would be happy. To, I've actually never played Among Us. First, okay. Here, actually, let me pause. The first thing that I'll say, Pissbrain. Uh, is that unless this is an alt account of somebody else, as far as I know, if we did do Among Us sessions with patrons only, you would not be allowed to play. Yeah, that's true. So I'll put it that way. Buddy. But I would love to do that. Uh, I've actually never played Among Us. We were going to try to play it together, but there was some problem where you can't like play it cross... Platform. platforms yeah. or something right which yeah. is annoying and stupid have you guys played it at all before no no yeah i want to play it who killed the who killed who you know who killed somebody it's it's like a good it's a good old who done it yeah so the answer is yes but uh you wouldn't get to play as far as i know unless you're <laughs> on, a, on an alt we don't like you yeah no because you're not a patron <laughs> unless this is an alt account uh okay Next uh, question. Oh, yep. nice. That was awesome. That was good. All right. Next question from Thelonious Drunk Books. Are you aware that everyone skips the Harry Potter sorting hat section? Shut and up. Fast forwards to the rankings. No. Or to the ratings. Uh, first of all, first of all ouch. First of all, <laughs> ouch. Um, You'd be slithering for Harry saying Potter that. is the best book of all time. <laughs> and you're a squib for saying that. Oh, you're a squib, yeah. You don't yeah. even have any sort of magic in you at all. That's first of all, ouch! That hurts. Because um, we, we, I mean, I do think that's what everyone's waiting for. I was, I assumed that was the most popular segment. Yeah, and if it's not, then I guess I guess we uh, got to listen to the, the the public here. But I do have to say this: if you're skipping the Harry Potter house sorting segment, you're missing out on some real juice. Because there are subtle points made in those segments about in in almost every case about the characters in the book, the way they relate, that are not made anywhere else in the episode. So you're missing legitimate, genuine analysis if you skip that segment. Yes, 
it is you really it is are. a joke and a and it is a bit of trolling uh based on prior memes but like any good joke we wring a little bit of the truth out of it you exactly know? and we take it seriously St- dumb things taken seriously is one of my favorite things and it should be yours as well yes objectively true <laughs> yeah also i don't know I, I I just like uh, I can't be fucking dumb. It's fun, and Harry Potter's a fun <laughs> thing to enjoy in your life. If you're a millennial or whatever, I, I don't know. Uh, a soft yeah, fuck off, and you actually do must you must love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, in denial. You're wrong. You're, you're actually you're, objectively you're wrong. actually in, you're denial. in denial. You're not, you love you're not it. giving in to just you like love it. Yeah. You know, there's like this whole notion of like, oh, if I'm before on a book podcast, we must not like Harry Potter's like stupid, and you're like, if you're like, yeah, whatever, no, dude, you, I, I enjoy Justin Bieber, and I, I love <laughs> J.K. I love J.K. Rowling. No, don't say that. Z- I love J.K. Rowling's no. books, <laughs> <laughs> including one about the murderous trans person. Oh god! <laughs> the most recent oh one. Oh my did. god! Nice. So um, we are open to feedback, but uh, don't skip it. If anything, it. Don't the, skip ratings, it. the ratings is the worst part because it's like <laughs> right. we have to kind of do we, – we're like, ah, I got a number. We got to give it, and we change it all the time, and it's, you know. Yeah. 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 Don't trust the ratings. But don't skip anything. Lap it all up, pig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eat it. <laughs> um, speaking of lapping it all up, our final question – of the evening. Ooh, yes. So, yeah, speaking of lapping it up, uh, Big Diarrhea Energy. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. On Twitter. I know this, I know this guy on Twitter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Big, Big Diarrhea Energy asks, and do not skip this segment, Thelonious Drunk Books, what are our Hogwarts houses? Oh, The most okay. important question of the night. See, I, I never went. I, I never went onto that website that lets you fig- know that. You don't need to take a test, man. This isn't BuzzFeed. You you well, know it. We you should know do. it we in should, your But there was. We should we should segment into like what we think of each other. What houses we think we should be into. <laughs> oh shit! And then like Jesus. I've done I've done the test plenty of times. So I, I have taken the test. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Right, yeah. and Paul's Paul's already gearing up because he knows Gabe and I are gonna say Hufflepuff, and he hates. I that. know, He's like, but I'm you're a wrong. <laughs> yeah, are we wrong? The majority, or are you wrong? I actually democracy I, I was, works, I'm, Paul. I'm yeah. not even actually sure if you guys are gonna say Hufflepuff. Is democracy that now Hufflepuff? All right, well, you. okay. So Paul, okay. then you go first. You tell us what you think our houses are, and then I'll go, and then Matt can go, just because that's the order okay. of my Zoom screen. Gabe, uh, Slytherin. Matt, why? Wait, why? You got to say why. Oh, why? I mean, well, no, you you didn't specify, but okay. You didn't say you didn't specify. I'm specifying now. Okay. Mad about um, it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 kind of like borderline like Slytherin and Gryffindor, but Gabe, I mean, all 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 hell breaks loose when we play games together, and your your true colors come forth, and you'll cut. You'll fucking stab people in the back. I mean, one time, That's one time true. when, one time when we were like playing Halo in like high school. <laughs> I was I, like, I, I mer- this is not fair. 
<laughs> Come on, I, bro. I forget. I forget the uh, exact. Everyone's analogy, a Slytherin when they're in high school. But you said something like you'd kill your entire family in order to be happy or something crazy <laughs> like that. And I was like, this dude's a fucking Slytherin. <laughs> but I mean, in reality, I kind of see you more as a Gryffindor. I think you're a strong-willed, <laughs> brave person. But you do kind of. You, you, you're you're out for yourself too. Okay. So it's it's a borderline. It's yeah. like it's on the edge for me. All right. And why? I is think Matt... I think I think that you'd be like on the stool, and the hat was there. That he'd be asking you like, "Do you want to go in Slytherin, or do you, you know?" It'd be <laughs> you'd have to decide for yourself. And that's not like that, Hagrid. Yeah. So why no, is Matt Ravenclaw? Uh. I'm, Matt's very intellectual. Not that you. I, don't get I'm it. the college professor here, dude. Yeah, I know, but it's it's doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why is Matt Ravenclaw? Matt's intellectual. He's very. He's always sought after knowledge. He's also very creative, which I I also attribute to Ravenclaw. Okay, Matt's making a funny face. Um, soy facing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Matt pursues knowledge in a really wholesome way and always has, and it's like kind of a part of his personality, which I really find very Ravenclaw. Um, Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's like the overarching notion that I get from Matt, but also the addition of being a creative person and like sawing after that in, in Matt's life fucking true true to heart ravenclaw yeah okay so uh i'll go i think um paul i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna keep it a hundred with you <laughs> fuck okay <laughs> all right well as i exhale my jewel <laughs> this is, please sponsor us no, this is getting real jewel sponsor us pbr sponsor us i would rather be drinking you than the banquet beer right now, but you're <laughs> missing it. You're missing the boat. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Spinecrackers is rising. <laughs> <laughs> Spinecrackers rise up. Um, Paul. Okay. You for a lot of the time that I knew you, until recently, you were a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Straight up, you were. You okay. were. You were puffing it up. Yeah. Now. I want to say that's not only for bad reasons, because Hufflepuff yeah. is good also. Yes. You are one of the best friends that I've, I could ever imagine. You're always Hufflepuff there. Quality. You're always ta- You're always down to talk. Talk through issues for fucking 10 hours if you need to. You know? Yep. If I, if I call you, yeah. I know you're picking the phone up. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you, you'll fucking... Sit there and talk to me for whatever about whatever for how long, you know, for however long. But you also did have some bad Hufflepuff qualities Mm. in the sense that you were not like, you know, not like, you know, assertive, I guess, in certain contexts, in certain ways. You know, I'm not going to get too deep in the details here. This is talking about a bad six year relationship I had. <laughs> I know what you're, t- what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because you said it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Which also is the Hufflepuff. This is what the listeners want right this now. This is what they want. If you uh, yeah. Listen, hey, Thelonious Drunk Books, I'm talking to you, buddy. If you skip this segment, you're not a real Spinecrack head right yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, you didn't like yeah. the hats seg- right. sorting hat segments? What were we talking about? This, this is drama this is, at this, this point. This is yeah. drama and deep lore. So that is what I was talking about. But I also, I'm not just saying it's Hufflepuff because you weren't asserting yourself. But it also is also Hufflepuff. Because loyalty. You were in that relationship and you were like, I'm sticking, I'm doing it, I'm sticking it through. <laughs> I love that I love how our like our our personal uh Zoom calls are coming through in this episode. <laughs> like, yeah, you're in a relationship. You brought up you brought up the relationship. Just for the record. Yeah. But yeah. I, 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 I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come around and say Today, right now, 2021 Paul, Gryffindor, strong Gryffindor, because you are uh, doing your own thing, and you're doing it in the way you want, and you are, uh, but it's not in a Slytherin way. It's not like, oh, I'm only out for myself or whatever. You're you're self-reflective and self-critical, and uh, I think you're Gryffindor now. Thank you. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I think, uh, and so Matt, I actually think, Paul, I think you're kind of right about the Ravenclaw thing. I think Matt's very wholesome. Matt's a very intellectually humble person, which frustrates mm. me sometimes because I wish he was a little bit more willing to assert his views and like make, well, cla- like- and make, make claims about things. Without yeah. being like, I, th- I, I think I'm I've like talked- the ultimate centrist. Yeah. Well, you're like you're, you're, which, you're, I don't you're know. which is a little you're Hufflepuff. You're a bunter. You're a bunter. No, it's not He's yeah, not. He, yes. Matt's a Matt's a uh, yeah intellectual bunter. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> oh, is that a foul ball? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, which is you know to me a little bit, a little bit Hufflepuffy because I do I know it's wrong, but like I do associate some some like, you know timidity with Hufflepuff a little bit, rightly or wrongly. Sure. And uh, you know I wish because I think Matt is a brilliant person with a lot to say. And I think he gets in his head about saying it sometimes because I, I think I've yeah. talked about this about on the I may have talked about this on the podcast before. Or maybe this is just something we've discussed in private. But one of my favorite philosophers, Stanley Cavell, he always made this analogy. You know what I'm about. You know where I'm going with this, Matt. Mm-hmm. He always made this analogy about philosophers specifically, but I think it applies in a lot of intellectual domains. He said, you know, there's basically uh, two. You know, there's a, not that there's two types of philosophers, but there's two common sort of tropes, especially in like young philosophy students. There's the Wittgenstein types who think they don't need to read anything and they're already the smartest person in the world and they can make claims and uh, uh, stake out positions without having read anything. And then there are the Heidegger people who think they need to read every written, every word ever written by every philosopher on every topic before they're allowed to speak. And Cavell's position was both of those people are equally wrong. And I agree with that. And I think Matt, on almost every topic I've ever 
spoken to him about is in the Heidegger can't is making the Heidegger mistake. And I, I, I want him to push himself to not do that anymore. So it's good. Cavell doesn't it's, st- say how much stuff you need to not have. I don't know. <laughs> but you think, but you think it's everything. That's the point. You think it's everything. Yeah. So it's, well. it's, so it's Ravenclaw. It's Ravenclaw. It's like a Ravenclaw Hufflepuff soft serve ice cream swirl for Matt. Whoa. Okay. See, okay. you're going inside I'm out. Gonna, I'm going to push back on that. I want to talk about Matt still. I think Matt leans more towards <laughs> Slytherin. Actually, it's a Ravenclaw with like an ounce of Slytherin. Ooh. I would agree with Paul there. What? Yeah. Well, there because is. I, I think Matt. I no, think no, Matt... no, no. Wait, Matt does have Slytherin, but the Slytherin is the thin layer of chocolate dip coating that the ice cream goes in. Mm. Yeah, that Draco Malfoy personally like washed through his his mouth. <laughs> 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 no, Matt, you have some Slytherin qualities. I feel like you, when you want to do something, it's like I'm doing, I'm fucking doing that thing because that's that's what I want to enjoy right now. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's just like a pretty. It's a Slytherin quality, I would say. Yeah, I think yeah, what we're agree. getting at yeah. is that uh, this is very me, <laughs> but that everyone's all the houses a little bit. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but you can't. I'll play the it. game. I'll play the game. I'll play the game. You got to play the game. You got to play the game. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, I I totally agree with Gabe's assessment of you, Paul. I feel okay, like you yeah. were you were uh uh you were more in the uh uh Hufflepuff Slytherin grouping. Yeah, I agree with that too actually. Yeah. But that Slytherin tincture was coming out of the negative aspects of your Hufflepuffness. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yes, Freudian. Yes, that's almost. well put. But what but what I'm saying now is that it, because this is essentially glorified Stupid person's astrology, which is saying a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is big brain. That's totally what it is. No, this is big brain, many wrinkles, yeah. personality analysis. Yeah, it's like okay, but I feel like you're sort of Hufflepuff rising, but like <laughs> Slytherin <laughs> is leaving the door frame. Yeah, or whatever. Is in retrograde. Uh, I feel like the the uh, the Ravenclaw part of you is in the room of requirement. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm too busy using the pensive to like extract things out of my brain. Uh, I agree. I think you're. I think you're becoming very Gryffindor. Thank uh, you. Because you uh, you've had to deal with a lot that I have not had to deal with. And you are getting to know yourself in a uh, intrepid manner. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Gabriel. You are Ravenclaw Slytherin combo. Okay. I think you uh, you have the Slytherin at uh, ting tinge of like uh, I would say a somewhat. Um, There's a sort of nihilism undergirding your perspective that creates a uh, an emphasis on what it is you'd like to do at any given moment, but at the same time, there's like, and I think Ravenclaw is the is the larger house here for you. Uh, there's there's like an intense 
um, intellectual curiosity and like a fervor that I wish I had, right? You describing this kind of like uh, waffling nature of myself and, uh, you know, likewise, but in, in distinction to myself, there's like this, uh, there's this certitude born of uh, passion, but not just blind passion, but like having been inquiring for, you know, the duration of your thinking life that is like incredibly impressive to me and why I always defer to you uh, when it comes to things like ethical quandaries or, uh, you know, what the right move is to be made and all this kind of stuff. So, Ravenclaw. And there's a there's a hint of the Slytherin there, Slytherin which I think, rising, which I think is the negative aspect of your version of Ravenclaw. Personally, good yeah. answer, great answer, man. I will say that I wish mine was even half as long. My answer, <laughs> uh, it was half as long as Gabe's, um, but good answer for Gabe. It's not about length, right? <laughs> no. It's about how you use it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, I kind of, I kind of see that. I don't know. I still think of Gabe as like, I don't know. It's hard for me to like discount and pull out the Ravenclaw for Gabe, for real, because he is so intellectually inclined. But I, I, I Gabe's personality for me has always been so strong that I only see it in terms of like strong Slytherin, strong Gryffindor, and I actually lean towards Gryffindor actually for Gabe. So okay. should should we do? I think now we have to do ourselves. Rate right? ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I give yeah. I give Gabe a strong like three point seven. <laughs> no, not rating. We have to put joking, ourselves in houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't no, I don't know what to do, man. Gets, I feel like gives, it's cringe. Like, why would I put everyone myself in a fucking house? Like, well, because you you it's it's self crit, dude. It's self crit. Well, but like I've done... what you all said was so much more valuable and probably correct than what I would just it's, say. It's a good metaphor for the podcast, right? Is that like to to read a book and to criticize it by your by yourself is less valuable than two other yes. people doing it. It's true. Along right. with you. So we're about yeah. to do it by ourselves now. Yeah. Well, I all I'm going to I'm going to re- revert to the countless Harry Potter quizzes or whatever I've done for Harry Potter more or whatever <laughs> Ron I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> Ron! Uh, Ron, Ron Jeremy. Just yeah. Ron. Ron come. Ron is actually the last Horcrux. And, uh, okay, Ron.com. <laughs> um, I've always been in Gryffindor. If, well, I've always been there. Wow. And uh, the last one I did was maybe like six months ago. <laughs> and my, my Patronus was a dolphin. My wand was made out of the same... Uh, <laughs> It was. I mean, it was. Um, You're was fucking it? loser, dude. I am a loser. Um, I did it. I did it because a Tinder date was like, oh, "Do you want to do a Harry Potter house?" Oh like, my god, yeah. that's so yeah. Hufflepuff. That's so Hufflepuff of you. Pottermore.com. No, I wanted to have sex. That's not Hufflepuff. <laughs> Slytherin is fuck, dude. Math assessment is correct. Um, but my my wand was thirteen and, and three quarters inches, and it was made out of uh, unicorn uh, wood or whatever. So, what? It, I've always been in Gryffindor, and I think I'm a Gryffindor. I think I'm brave. I think I would fucking dive on. 
I think I would dive on a fucking out of loyalty, but also bravery. I would dive on a on a grenade for my friends, Matt and Gabe. I would I would sacrifice their lives in war in World War Two if we were there together. Um, so that it you know that metaphor is right. It's like I'm loyal to my friends, but I'm also brave, and that's fucking Gryffindor and Hufflepuff. And, all right, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Okay. I'm actually, I'm that's, actually that's Dumbledore. Good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna go next. Let me listen. I think you're, I think you're both wrong. I think I'm a full Slytherin. No, mm. no cap, no, no addendum. Slytherin without adjectives. All right, really. Kinda, yeah. I mean, if I like, if I had to be I that, like, wrong. well, because of course, in the in the Sorting Hat scenario. You can't be in two houses at once. You go into one house, right? You can't be half of a house. True. You you have to go into a house. Uh, and I think <laughs> I, I'm I feel very pretty sure that I would be in Slytherin. And it's not for what Matt said that I'm some hedonistic, uh, pursue my own <laughs> self interest at all times. That's not true. That's a, my form of Slytherin. I'm actually a moral realist. Aspect. I think we have moral obligations that uh, extend beyond our individual whims. Separate issue. But I do think there are some Slytherin qualities in me that I cannot deny. I'm ambitious. I want to be uh, smart and I want to be successful. Not necessarily like financially, but I want respect. I I want this podcast to be successful. I I love uh, uh, doing you know promoting the pod like you know emailing celebrities and uh, Sasha Gray. Sasha Gray, come on the show. <laughs> uh, you know I I would love to be, uh, you know teaching at a fucking top tier university in my field and be respected by my peers. I, I have that I do have that drive that I that 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 is part of why I get up in the morning. That's uh, undeniable. Um, I do think you know, I do think uh, maybe this is a bit of a modification of traditional Slytherin where it's all about bloodlines and family. I do have a, a sort of like fierce a loyalty that's not like Hufflepuff, but kind of like a fierce like, oh yeah, these are my friends, these are my fucking people. That's my family. And mm-hmm. don't and don't fuck with them, you know what I mean? That rocks. And uh, so yeah, that's why I feel like I'm a Slytherin. You know, I could see I do I, I think the Ravenclaw thing is tempting because I'm in academia, but I think that's kind of incidental. It's uh, I happen to be passionate about becoming successful and respected within academia, but I think it I think it's maybe reading too much into it. To say that it puts me in Ravenclaw. Well, this makes me wonder what Ravenclaws. What are what are the things about Ravenclaw again? I mean, I like, it's like intellectual pursuit. I would say is top. Which I did. I mean, I do that. So I, I guess I can't. Yeah. I can't deny that either. But I think if the Sorting Hat had to put me in one house, I think he would put me in Slytherin. Okay. Okay. Let me look this up really quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's Ravenclaw right there. You gotta look up. You gotta look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm about to put myself in it, and I need to look up what it's about. I so saw I'm going to the fucking Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, traits. Let's I like this. Uh, I like this. Uh, Paul was always Gryffindor narrative. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, if I was if I was six years old or whatever, eight years old, and I was on the fucking stool, I would have been Gryffindor. I mean, sort of like um, like uh, who's that fucking kid uh, in the book, in the movies? That Neville had book Neville. Yeah, he has a, a lot of qualities of being a uh, Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. It's true. Say. It's true. A pussy, a pussy bitch. No, no. Bleep that. Bleep. Now, whatever the fuck. That will be bleep. Uh, um, but he comes around. And he he realizes like I'm a fucking sick, brave, awesome guy. And that's true. kind of that's kind of my trajectory. That I is mean, that is kind of your arc. <laughs> that is kind of your arc. You do it. Yeah. You, you do kind of have a Neville Longbottom arc. Yes. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah. All right, Matt. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I'm 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 just gonna say Ravenclaw, um, because, uh, like, there is this confirmation of um, there's like a competitiveness within the academic pursuit, but there's also uh, it within the literally the wiki fandom fucking page. There's like this uh, characterization of like uh, people just kind of not not w- <laughs> they, they just aren't zealous or not zealous but like they're, they're not willing to uh, uh, they're just kind of pulling their punches and like w- observing and that's why I'm Slytherin is because the competitive aspect of the academic pursuit is a big part of what juices me up about it right well obviously because you can judge by our discord. Uh, Capabilities. Yeah, Gabe. And Gabe. And Gabe could be a, such a legendary debate bro if you really wanted to. That's yeah. fucking true. Destiny, come at me. Vosh, come at me. Let's go. Yeah, for real. Um, so I'll just say Gryffindor. Um, for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I love. Really? That. Wait, really? I thought you were Why? saying Ravenclaw. I thought you were leaning Ravenclaw. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fuck. Oh, no, okay. Fuck. I was like, yeah, Ravenclaw. Oh, I was like, yeah, big I was like shit. what? That was like that was a big fucking wrench. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm about. sorry. Ra- Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw. Okay. Well, there you right go. Now, ratings for each other. Ratings. No, no, no we're not <laughs> going to do that. That's, everyone's, too, that's quite. That's a little too dehumanizing. No, me oh, and my. No, everyone's listen, a five. It doesn't. Me matter. and my squad True. is all fives. I roll with all fives. fives. I roll with fives all day, top to bottom. Me too. You guys are all fives, but in my clap. mind, you're all dime pieces. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we break the scale. We fucking break the scale, dude. We went uh, platinum years ago. Well, listen. Um, I hope that was um, nice for everyone listening. <laughs> First of all, uh, let's was let's get a round of a, show. Let, let's get a round of applause for all the people that a, that ask questions. Yeah, for real. Yeah, Shout, they're not ass. common. Shout out to yeah, all of yeah. you. Uh, I hope we uh, did your questions justice. Um, all of them were very thoughtful and, 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 you know, interesting and kind of like pushed us to think about topics that sometimes we don't ordinarily get to talk about. Um, and we, we genuinely appreciate it. And shout outs to everyone that listens to the show, everyone that's uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, uh, obviously shout outs to all the patrons. Um, and, uh, you know, cheers to fucking one year y'all. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Milestone baby. A. And we'll be around for a million more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will never die. 
Spine we're crackers will never die. We're uh, gonna read every single book of fiction that's ever been that's written. ever been written. <laughs> and eventually, we'll get to the point where we're we're reading books that people are writing in real time. We're reading books that have never. Years. We're reading books that haven't even been written yet. We're looming yeah. over the shoulder of. Writers Thomas a thousand Pinchin's years from great now, grandson, <laughs> like, and we're just hey, saying hey. whatever they're writing down actively. The, like the shadow, God Emperor Dune. The shadow yeah. of the spine crackers is long, baby. Yeah, yeah. the shadow is long. Oh, if, yeah. in, uh, this is a uh, no one probably cares about this, but I added uh, Dune to the list. Did you really? I really did. I just All wrote right. Dune on the fucking Google Doc. <laughs> just Dune in bold. Matt's favorite book. But, Yes. No, but I mean no, but <laughs> I like but it. Our our friend, our mutual friend, has read the first three in the last like three weeks, and I told you about him, Taylor. Yep. He wants to come on, and we're gonna read Dune All in right. six it's, months. It's on, dude. <laughs> fucking it's, let's go. It's fucking on. Yeah. Yes. You heard it I'm here very first. Excited about that. It Dude. might be in time for the like the next movie to come out. It'll be like very you know. Well, and it, it it'll make sense though because the whole first book is two movies. So the second movie comes out, we will have read the first book. So it'll be, yeah, God willing. You yeah, know. knock on wood. I'm just saying I'm excited for the sci-fi elements of that book. <laughs> I'm expecting <laughs> that. I think they might be okay. Yeah, <laughs> they could be up there. They're, They're certainly be, there. Yeah, maybe some Star Warsy type. You know. I do yeah, love spaceships. The, yeah, space. Yeah. All right, everyone, listen. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope this was fun. Uh, I think we all had a blast. Yeah, we did. This was really fucking fun. Didn't um, have to read a fucking. Didn't one have to read a fucking word of writing. Stupid ass fucking paper log. <sighs> um. Happy heavy. happy one one year anniversary, Spinecrackers, and hey. uh, we'll see you next year. And to uh, the fools. And next week. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, okay. it's not done now. Pulsive finale. Books. Yeah, hit the books. Back hit the, the books pages. and hit the showers and then hit the books. <laughs> be clean and be reading. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>